Hello and welcome to the Back Page, a video games podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, how are things going on your end? Are you playing anything that isn't Resident Evil now that you've finished Resident Evil? Yeah, I'm playing this roguelike about mountain climbing called Insurmountable. Oh, weird. Is that because... Were you expecting that? Um, I mean, the thought of you climbing a mountain in real life is what immediately came to mind there. I thought, well, okay, that would never happen. So, Oh, yeah. When, my, when, when the scouts went to Snowdonia, which is like, you know, pretty, pretty chill as far as mountains go, <laughs> I completely shit my pants and um, like got halfway up and then just went back down again. <laughs> Snowdonia as well is basically the baby park of mountains, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, it's really... Uh, it's a glorified hill. Oh. Um, don't come at me, Snowdonia fans. <laughs> <laughs> what's um, what's it like then? Are you kind of getting into VR games a bit more at the moment? Uh, no, it's not a VR thing. Oh, sorry, I don't know why I thought it was. I, that's um, no, I, no. I made you think it, well, that's what's interesting about it is all the mountain climbing games I've seen tend to be basically VR games or maybe Death Stranding, if that sort of counts. You know, it's about the act of climbing a mountain, but this is kind of breaks the mountain into tiles and um like a roguelike you've kind of got sort of survival roguelike you've got these energy meters that are dropping down and like events can happen on the mountain that kind of drain oxygen sanity stamina or whatever and so it's kind of about like managing all your resources um but i actually think it uh i think it's kind of genius in a way like i think the the way they've equated climbing a mountain with the kind of single run of a roguelike is actually very astute you know, you only have a shot at Everest. You can't sort of get up halfway and save. Like once you're up there, you kind of get to the top, or it's all or nothing. I, mm. I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty smart. Oh, if your um, if your character freezes to death, um, can you pass them up the summit on your next turn? Is that a thing that can happen? <laughs> That's not in there. Well, I've not seen it. That would be brilliant, though. Like the mountain should be littered with the corpses of every other run. Oh my god, that They're is really like a great idea. There. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't know why they didn't do that. It's because I, they don't. It's not. It's not that bleak. I mean, <laughs> it's quite bleak. Like when your oxygen runs out, you basically just keep coughing up sort of bloody throth until you die, um, <laughs> which is which is fun. It might be because um, when we were at that future conference and the man came in and told us about his mountain trip, um, and like he made the whole summit bit sound so vividly like horrible in terms of passing actual dead bodies and then like yeah. his fingers being permanently damaged that i am um, yeah now i now i think that to in order to um properly replicate that experience yes they have to litter the uh, mountain with bodies in this like in this nice little roguelike game um or otherwise it would be true to life <laughs> yeah um, apparently on everest there's a place called rainbow valley which is so called because it's got all the multicolored sleeping bags and equipment of all the corpses Oh, good. I like it when a name can be both uh, wry and devastating at the same yeah, time. Yeah, because it um, sounds like a Mario Kart track, but <laughs> it is so far from a Mario Kart track. <laughs> yeah. Wow, good stuff. There we go. We talked about uh, death on mountains, so that's um, <laughs> that takes us nicely, question mark, into this week's episode. So this is a Resident Evil special episode. So me and Matthew have both played Resident Evil Village, which on the day this podcast releases, the game is out at the same time, which is um, May the 7th. So in this episode, we're going to have spoiler-free thoughts on Resident Evil Village. We'll get deep into the game in a kind of like constructive criticism type way, but we won't give away major plot points um, or like what the bosses are in the game or any of that key stuff, any of the big surprises. And then in the second half of the episode, we're going to go through our top five Resident Evil games. So 
quite exciting because me and Matthew have both finished Resident Evil Village. We got sent review code by uh, Lick PR in the UK. Thank you very much for that. It's really great to be able to talk about the game the week it's released. That's quite exciting. Um, one of Matthew's um, bits of constructive criticism on a past episode, our Mario 3D episode, is that we didn't play Bowser's Fury before we recorded that. And Matthew's been livid about it ever since. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's good this week to have played the game that's um, actually coming out and not just talk around it, which is good. Um, hmm. So yeah, Matthew, talk, what's your kind of uh, your vibe on Resident Evil Village then? What's your sort of top line thought on it? Uh, my top line thought is a, a really pleasant surprise. Uh, I played the, the demos, the two demos that they did of it, the little castle demo and the little village demo, and found them thoroughly underwhelming. Um, and I, I think they actually picked probably the two worst bits to show off what that game was about. I think uh, the other part of the pleasant surprise is I, th- I think Capcom genuinely sat on a lot of really interesting, great stuff about this game. I think they, they managed to focus the conversation around quite a thin slice of what the game is. Uh, and that has, yeah, I don't know, it made, it made for a really rollicking 10 or so hours. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's um, very much a kind of uh, a marketing campaign that managed to, dr- to draw its attention on uh, large woman, tall woman. Uh, yeah. Lady Dimitrisk, is that her name? I believe it is. Yeah, something along those lines. You don't pronounce a U at the end, um, according to the merchant in the game, so um, I'm basing it on that. And so, yeah, that um, that definitely like tells the story of what some of the game is about, but they've hidden a lot of surprises as well, which is um, quite exciting if you're a fan. I actually um, didn't play these two demos because Capcom did that really bizarre thing where you could only play them for a certain amount of time, and I thought, that's too stressful, I can't be bothered. But yeah. I did play the um, Maiden demo, earlier which did seem like kind of a mood piece um that gave you a kind of taste of the castle in the game yeah it's uh it's it's like yeah 10 or 10 or so hours i just blasted through it in a weekend like you did and um yeah really really fun really energetic game um and Mm -hmm. really entertaining for a resident evil game so yeah we've got loads to dip into basically this first half will focus on that in the second half, like I say, we've got a top five Resident Evil games. Um, Matthew, choosing your games for that list, what was that process like? Uh, it was difficult, actually, because I've got, as many people have, I imagine, a couple of like stone-cold classics. But after that, actually, a lot of Resident Evil is like a big soup of like seven and eight out of tens for me. <laughs> yeah. So dipping into that soup and going... Do I go for like the heart choice or the head choice? Heart does some weird stuff in Resident Evil uh, and has resulted in a reasonably weird list that I imagine lots of people will disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one because I haven't played every game in the series, so um, I'll totally own up to uh, some of my shortcomings on that front when we get to it. I know Resident Evil pretty well, though. And I'm curious, Matthew, is your list just entirely made up of uh, multiplayer shooters and light gun games? Is that um, your vibe on Resident Evil? More than you might think. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Um, This sounds like a a fantastic disaster in the making. Um, So yeah, this episode then, let's uh, get into it, Matthew. So we've kind of recapped our thoughts there on, on the game. Like I say, this is an incredibly entertaining game. And you, a point you made to me when we were talking about it uh, before this podcast is that this game seems to have a new idea every 30 minutes or so, a new set piece, or a new little something, a new twist, a new surprise, and it keeps firing ideas at you throughout the entire game. So I would say that the, the last part of the game it loses a tiny bit of momentum or gets a little bit stranger it, for various reasons. 
But generally speaking, I found this incredibly consistent and a really rare example, a modern example, of pacing done really well in a blockbuster game. Um, yeah. Talk to me about that side of things. So the pacing of the game, like generally, that's like its major strength, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I think this is you know something which i associate with some of the best resis i mean you know famously the thing about resident evil 4 is its pacing and it isn't very sexy on paper when you're playing it you are like man that is a well-paced game that is a game that is always giving me something and here as well and there's just there's there's very very little fat on it um i think it also speaks to the fact that where so many series have felt the need to kind of push outwards to like 20, 30 hour, they've taken in sort of open world or various degrees of open world. This doesn't do that. And actually it could probably could have. There's, you know, structurally, as I'm sure we'll talk about in a sec, there's potential for this to be a lot more sprawling and baggier than it was. But it's um, it's surprisingly lean. You know, I, I think by the end of it, you, you get the impression of like, wow, I've done this 10 hours. It's incredibly dense. You know, there's just so much stuff in it. Um, really, really packed. Generally very polished, very high quality. Kind of the, you know, one of the first big next-gen games, um, which which factors into that. So you think it's it's going to, it's a very, like, intensive, like, 10 hours, for you know, on their part, which most people would would be quite happy, you know, um, I was about to say spiking that with 10 hours of, of baking powder because I've been watching The Wire and they do that a lot with drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very specific reference. Yeah, and I was like, actually, not everyone else is watching The Wire. <laughs> so maybe that's not... But you know what I mean? They they haven't cut this game with anything. It's, 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 it's very to the point. Um, really does whip along um, in a very kind of uh, confident, brash way. And, you know, maybe it's because we don't get a lot of this kind of single player game to kind of compare it to but i don't know i found it very refreshing yeah it's about as long as resident evil 7 was and there's a very easy and boring conversation to have about length versus value i would say that if this game was a 70 pound first party playstation game which it isn't it's about i think it's 60 quid to pre-order but there are places that do it for about 50 yeah I think like 50 quid is like, I probably wouldn't pay more than that for this um, in terms of like the value to uh, measuring value in a really arbitrary sort of like cash pounds way. That feels like about the right price point to me. Um, It just fits that perfectly. I think that I agree with you. It's um, very well judged in its length. I think like by being about six hours shorter than Resident Evil 4 is, for example, it accounts for the fact that people's attention spans maybe aren't what they were in in 2004 or 2005, um, Mm. which is fine. And yeah, like you say, just a really kind of confident, this is what the game is, no fat. There's a little bit of like optional stuff if you want to kind of prolong the adventure, but not Mm. much really. And um, yeah, cinematic uh, survival horror adventure that in kind of like picking this sort of particular template manages to hit a lot of Resident Evil's greatest hits, either Mm. in the settings that you're sort of going to, the types of bosses you fight or whatever. There are bits and pieces that will remind you of Resident Evil without it being like a total pastiche. And there are a number of direct references that fans will probably enjoy. But um, yeah, just uh, I I agree with you. Just a really um, just perfectly kind of like paced game. Really kind of confident game design. Completely against type of what does well now. And that's Mm. what's exciting about it. Um, So the premise of the game, you're playing Ethan Winters, an extremely boring man who was the protagonist of Resident (laughs) Evil 7. Um, after that game, he went off with Chris Redfield and uh, and his wife, settled down, had a kid. The kid gets kidnapped. 
the kid has been taken to this village. You don't know why. It's a village in, I think it's speculated to be Romania or somewhere like that, but um, sort of everyone's speaking in American accents anyway, so uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's kind of confusing in terms of its like timing and um, the aesthetics of the village and stuff like that, but it's not worth dwelling on that much. And then you are trying to get um, your daughter back. So the story, Matthew, is not the game's strongest part, I would say. I didn't find... I think Ethan, even by Resident Evil protagonist standards, is a pretty boring main character. Uh, what was your vibe on the story in the game? Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, the weird thing is about this about this game, and, and not not to get too much into like how it ends, but it kind of... Uh, I feel like in the run-up to it, there was quite a lot of talk from Capcom about, like, this is the culmination of the Ethan Winters storyline. And you're like, it only started last game. Like, <laughs> it's a culmination of one game. Like, that isn't a saga. That's nothing. Like, that's quite an odd... That's quite an odd structure, you know? It And it, it you know, it is definitely a, a big, like, scale step up from Seven. Like, it's it's a, a much bigger feeling game in, in many ways. Um... So you know, you could see it as like the big third act in a story, except it's not. It's sort of the second and third act of the Ethan Winters story in one. Um, I will say, like Ethan Winters himself, not a great character, but it is hilarious. Like just what a horrendous time he has. Um, I've never there is there is not a pair of hands in games <laughs> that have taken more punishment than his hands take in this game, and it's like. He would have he would have died so many times over, you know, based on just the kind of uh, well, he, well, he would have in the first game too, but in this game it really ramped it up. I mean, uh, did you feel this in the like spe- specifically in like the castle section? It felt like every ten minutes he was like losing a finger. Yeah, it's a pretty like um, it's comical how much finger damage he takes in this game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just gets absolutely wasted. It's um. Yeah, and some of the it's preposterous. Some of the the stuff that he goes through in this, but um, I guess it's designed to kind of underline the sort of stakes or make it feel real or whatever. But um, yeah, finger damage. That's uh, high on. Um, it's definitely one of uh, Capcom's big tricks in this game that it likes to get yeah. out often. It has a lot of fun with the the first person perspective of like, you know, I'm going to put you through these horrible torture scenes, and he really does get get mangled. Uh, I, I will say for the story that like there was enough of a kind of a mystery of what was going on that actually I did kind of want to I did want to see it through to the end you know particularly more on the kind of Chris Redfield side you know it wasn't that it's like particularly great you know he he you know as as you've seen if if you've watched any of the trailers he appears villainous and it's kind of like what Chris Redfield is like this bad dude what's going on and it's not so much that it's just the it kind of holds off on that, on what's going on with him for quite a long time. So I was kind of genuinely interested of like, oh, I don't know what his deal is. Um, and again, without spoiling it, like, it, like there's some quite mad stuff involving some pots, some magical sort of vials, which I was like, oh, I want to know what's going on here, just because it's it's quite <laughs> abstract. Some of the the kind of MacGuffin in this game. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you make a really good point about this feeling like it's got Resident Evil 7 structure, but then it's kind of got a bit much bigger scale. So Mm. the village is your central location, but then for various different reasons, plot-wise, you go off to different areas of the map beyond the village. And it's like a kind of big, seamless environment in terms of how it's sort of portrayed. 
Um, obviously, probably helped by the um, PS3, PS5 so SSD. Quick loading in this game is kind of miraculous, actually, in terms of like a showing off what next gen can do. But mm. generally speaking, this uh, the increase in scale makes a huge difference. Well, we talked a bit about Resident Evil Seven on our Games of the Generation podcast. Neither neither of us were that big into it. We both mm. found it a little bit sort of overrated, and mm. obviously they kind of went with this template of first person horror. A little bit infused by PT, a little bit infused by Amnesia. Basically, like there's a there was a trend of you know streaming horror games that emerged like a demo scene almost in the years preceding Resident Evil 7's release that they were tapping into. This one feels a bit more like it can confident confidently be Resident Evil ish in the types of stuff that it does. So the castle they take you to early on that feels like the um, Spencer Mansion in Resident Evil 1, or like a traditional kind of like, or the police station in Resident Evil 2. Mm. That traditional kind of like knotty sort of environment, different keys unlock different bits. It's not as complicated as those games. It's a lot simpler to play. Mm. But they're evoking that clearly. And I think that the huge benefit Village has over 7 is that whereas your diversions in the seven were just fighting a different hillbilly in like a different barn or a different like <laughs> part of this estate yeah here you feel like you're in a massive location um mm. going to different places and seeing very different things and fighting very different types yeah. of enemies yeah i i agree and it, it, it does a an interesting quite a thing quite early on where it basically shows you like a lot of what's to come it foreshadows a lot of stuff in quite a nice way in that, you know, there's some quite distinctive villains in this game and they're introduced quite early on, but they're not really explained at all. And you're just like, how the hell is all this going to hold together? Like, there, there is this sense of, wow, I, you know, I really don't have a read on what this game is about and what it's going to be like. And I, th- I think that's constantly playing on your mind. So that's, and that's quite a fun sort of motivating factor throughout this. Yeah, for sure. I think it's almost like a Metal Gear Solid kind of like villains sort of um, a rogues gallery introduction of yeah. these are all, these are all the bastards who'll be fighting in this game. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's great. That I think that that scene early on, and it's it's daft, but it's it's really really well done. It's really effective because they're quite charismatic and they're kind of arguing amongst themselves, and and it's you know just yeah very sort of disorientating and and. It, uh, you know, excellently done. I mean, in in, t- in terms of silly Resident Evil, it's it's a good laugh. Yeah, I will say that while I don't have much value for Ethan Winters as a character, I do think that the the story they give you here is exciting. It's like a it's an exciting oh. ride. It's like a a fun journey into the unknown. Um, and it kind of like I say by firing out these different set pieces, it just keeps the energy going. So you're never really bored by it. Which mm. um overwrites the fact that the main character isn't that interesting i too like you was um kind of curious about how they do the chris redfield stuff and i did think they did it quite well actually but Mm. um yes i was curious matthew this game's balance of combat to survival horror so obviously seven was i think seven was regarded as a kind of scary game there was like a really bad developer quote doing the rounds before we recorded this about we consciously, like, I'm paraphrasing, but we consciously made this less scary than 7 due to feedback. I personally hmm. didn't think 7 was scary at all, apart from the occasional hillbilly turning around a corner and he's like, I'll fuck you up. And that was, that was yeah, like its version, I, I, but yeah. I, I, I think the opening to 7 is, is like, genu- genuinely quite intense. I, I, I think that's about as, as scary as it gets. Like, it's a proper, like, haunted house. You don't really get a read on it. it almost, like, 7 at times 
almost sort of dips into the kind of outlast kind of trick, you know, sort of bag of tricks in terms of it's an escape game. It's not really a combat game where here everything is like quite explicitly combat. Um, I'd say that the big difference, and I, I was surprised in a lot of reviews to see people saying they weren't like wild about the gunplay because I actually quite like the action in in Village. Um, Compared to Seven, where I thought basically in Seven, whenever you did action, um, it's not very good. Like the gunplay and the monsters were just not fun. Um, it's why Seven for me, like the third act or the second half, I can't remember the balance of it. But basically, Beyond the Baker Mansion is a very very weak game. I I, I hadn't, I do not like the end of Seven at all. Um, uh, it's why I prefer Village, I think. But yeah, I thought the action in this was fun. It's got really gooey headshots. Um, it's got a great sniper rifle for doing gooey headshots. Um, yeah, and that that kind of, I don't know, that tapped into the... It's it's the same thing that puts a grin on my face when I'm playing, like, Resi 4, 5, or 6, is Capcom do very, like, meaty reactions. When combat goes right for you, it goes right in this really spectacular, bloody way. And, um, yeah, I had a pretty wild time with this game and the sniper rifle. I invested a lot. I upgraded the sniper rifle... <laughs> I crafted a lot of sniper bullets. I basically had so many sniper bullets that, you know, there are a lot of werewolves in this game that kind of hide on rooftops waiting to ambush you, and I just spent my whole time shooting their heads off and sort of cackling to myself. Um, Yeah, I I, I get the impression you weren't as keen on the action. Yeah, so I do echo that the uh, sniper rifle in this game rules, and I think (laughs) that they've obviously spent a lot more time getting the gunplay right in this. And it has to because, uh, you know, basically when you arrive in the village, you're almost immediately ambushed by werewolf men. Um, I'm up and down on the combat. So one thing I think is great about this game compared to village, uh, sorry, compared to seven is that village has loads of different enemy types. Whereas I think one of seven's big issues was it had very few enemy types. I think it just had those like goo monsters and the bosses and that was it in the game. Um, Mold men. Yeah. Really, really boring enemies to fight. They just felt like bullet sponges. And in this game, there is more interactivity, like you say. There's there's good reactions to headshots generally in this. But I don't find the enemies as like interactive as they were in like four or um or two remake, where you could like shoot off a limb in two remake, or you could like you know shoot their leg and they kind of go down then leon would do like a physical attack it doesn't yeah. have that next level to it i don't think it's it's version of that is the if you block you put your hands up to block and then if you press block again you kind of push them back and then the idea is they're like stunned for a second and that's when you can get the clean headshot but that is just in no way as fun as like pile driving a kind of an old farmer into the mud <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there's obviously a, a deliberate creative you know, intent behind um, choosing to do it the way that they have. But I do think that a little bit more physicality to the combat, maybe like an optional kind of like melee attack after you sort of headshot someone, just something a little more to kind of make it feel physical would be good. I think the enemies still lack a little bit of interactivity. Yeah. Like when you shoot the rest of their body, it doesn't ever really do anything in this game. Um, yeah, that's that's fair. I, I, I do think that the werewolves who are like basically, a ba- you know, they they are probably the closest thing to like Resi Force villagers that they've you know in in this game. Um, 
are are satisfying to fight. Like I, 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 you know, I enjoy the gooiness of it. I like the numbers. I, I think I've seen a lot of reviews say the second half's weaker. I think that maybe speaks to whether you do or don't kind of click with the action because the second half, I would say, is where most of the action is. Definitely, like the bigger action set pieces. Uh, are there because you know the the way this game sort of segments itself like there's a very specific pace and vibe to each kind of chunk of the game and some of them are pretty like action free for like you know an hour or an hour and a half or whatever but then you suddenly have this quite intense rush of 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 action which i which i liked um i i think you know that sort of physicality aside I, you know, I think you're definitely right about the enemy types. I think the the the, the final kind of big action stretch of this game, um, it kind of goes into a setting which isn't as interesting. It's a bit of a cliche, but it's got a lot of enemies with like, I mean, literal glowing weak spots, which I found really satisfying to fight. Like I thought it it actually really, you know, it, it made the gunplay very 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 tense because all of a sudden, like you're trying to land these precious shots that can basically stun enemies that otherwise will absolutely like muller you yeah i'm up and down on that second half like you say the setting they take you to that's um quite a, i thought quite a boring choice but hmm. the actual enemy types in there were like you say just really inventive and like um really fun to fight and um there are brilliant variations on that enemy type as well that i found i, I found really impressive and yeah. um, trying to it suss has- that out as a player was fun yeah, definitely. Like it, like even within that area, which is maybe like two hours of the game, perhaps. It, you know, there is this big escalation of like enemy ideas. You know, it introduces one, you're like, oh shit, it's these guys, and then it's like now you've got to deal with two of them, and now their weak spots are in a different space, and now they're armored, and now they can jump around, and it's it's quite impressive the kind of pace. I mean, that's what I was talking about, and I think you were talking about with that pacing thing. It just just kind of keeps pushing on through and doesn't like rest on anything, which is. Uh, yeah, which is nice. I liked it. I mean, I've seen some people say that section is like way too long, but I personally, I think the enemies kind of kept it fresh, and uh, you know some of the stupid boss fights in it. But yeah, it's, I would argue I love that... shooting a giant orange weak spot. What can I say? <laughs> I would also argue that that section doesn't so much like it's also the biggest challenge really in the game that you face. It's mm. the first time I think that you're really facing strong peril in terms of mm. combat in the game, and. Um, because it's a, it's actually like challenging sometimes. It maybe feels like more of a slog than the rest of it, where it's quite easy. I will say that this game, something I re, I kept coming back to the word like handcrafted in this when I was thought about this game because mm. obviously like all games have to be sort of you know carefully constructed in terms of quest design and stuff like that. But it's something about the specific distribution of like enemies, puzzles, pacing of like set pieces that felt so, like, considered to me. It felt so, mm. like, and then this beat leads to this, and then this leads to this. And it feels like you're always facing the right number of threats at the right time. Um, yeah, I, I think so. And it's and for me, that's the... You know, again, that's like the Resident Evil 4 sweet spot. It's the, it's the idea that... And this plays particularly well to the survival horror element, where it favours... 
it favours like different weapons and different approaches at different times. So even though you don't necessarily have the resources to invest in everything, there are stretches where you will naturally find yourself overpowered if you've invested in certain things. Like there are sections where if you have a good sniper rifle and lots of sniper bullets, it's piss easy, but you feel like unbelievably powerful because you're just like shooting down bird men left, right and centre and you're like, ah, this is great. Um but then there are other sections, you know, there you might find yourself in a boss fight and you're, you know, you're woefully unprepared or your sniper rifle is just a bust because it's like a really close melee fight, very fast moving. Um, and that is something I really associate with Resi 4 as well, like where all the decisions I was making, it would reward some. It would also punish the same decisions like half an hour later. Um, Resident Evil 4 definitely keeps you on that knife edge in a way that this doesn't. Like, it's a way more generous game. Like, I don't think I died outside of boss fights, like, ever. Yeah, I died twice in the entire game, and I think yeah. those were both, like, goofs, where I just wasn't yeah, paying attention so, properly. There, there were plenty of moments where I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, and then I was like, oh, phew. And I never did die, but I, I think it kind of put me in a, like, a suitably tense pace. Like, I wasn't bored. I was, hap- I was happy, you know, for most of the time. <laughs> Yeah, and I suppose as well, a lot of Resident Evil 4's deaths are, like, QT-based. It's like you've picked up, you know, a Dr. Pepper and you weren't holding the controller and so you suddenly panic and realise that Krause is about to knife you and you're like, fuck! And then that's, like, a death. Um, That's a true answer to Dr. Pepper's what's the worst that could happen. (laughs) (laughs) What's the worst that could happen is there's a soldier who's got a giant mutant arm who's going to tear my head off. Uh, yeah it's also like um it's not as good as resident evil 4 as well oh, like it's no no it's just in a general sense it's not like it doesn't reach those same heights in terms of how that game made you feel at the time um no, but it's a, not. but it's really it's really like a, a quite cl- it's close enough it's close enough to make this a really satisfying game yeah um, i i actually like <laughs> the the kind of the that thing of like the density of ideas but well done is almost kind of what i liked about resident evil 6 but it's better done here <laughs> um you know i think if you've listened to this podcast you've heard us talk a little bit about resident evil 6 before like i i've got a fondness for that game like how full on it is you know that that is a game that goes all out unfortunately it's just it's very very baggy um but if you like the sillier side of resi like, this is a pretty silly game, and it gives you, like, lots of boss fights. They die in really gribbly ways, which is fun. Um, it's quite a gooey game. Uh, it, it ticks a lot more of those boxes than Resident Evil 7 did, I'd say. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that what's funny about this game as well is it's called Resident Evil Village. I don't feel like I spent that much time in the actual village in this game. Is that how you mm. felt as well? I felt like I was always, like orbiting the village or doing something somewhere else and then yeah there's like a section probably about a third of the way in where you kind of return to the village and it opens up like almost fully i'd say and it it, you know there's almost a sort of a i don't want to say metroidvania what i actually liken it to is is maybe the new tomb raider games where like there's a relatively linear progress around the world, but it brings you back to this sort of central hub where every time you return, you've got a couple new gadgets and there's like a, a basically a new layer of stuff you can interact with and, you know, an extra load of map markers you can tick off. But I think you can scratch most of that stuff off, like in the central third of the game. Like there's, there's not a lot of stuff to do, like a, to like lure you back for a final lap, I'd say. 
it kind of it's it's quite a nice structure but i think it maybe kind of shows everything in the first half of the game and 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 so the village becomes less of a less of a concern i'd have happily have done like one more lap of the village with like new enemies in it or something else layered on top of it but it didn't it didn't kind of push it that far no it feels quite um they're quite restrained in how they use it and um a lot of the i would say that none of the game's most interesting things really happen in the village there's a couple of like set pieces that are notable but a lot of the most inventive stuff happens elsewhere i would say um mm. so it's kind of coming back and seeing oh where, which uh, werewolf lads are going to trouble me this time or you know <laughs> there might be a larger enemy there that wasn't there before but generally speaking it's like a fairly familiar experience there's a nice transitioning kind of like night and day cycle in this game as well, which I think um, just adds a little bit in terms of um, making the time feel like it's passed through the story. Mm. But um, I was curious then, as a kind of side note to that, Matthew, do you think this game is scary? Because the village section, while it has like an atmosphere, I can't say it really spooked me. But there are a couple of moments in this game that I did find scary. And... I'm curious what your take on this is as a man who gets quite scared quite easily by uh, <laughs> yeah. horror games. Um, I think I think the game does like a couple of intense action scenes that that kind of t- tick the same kind of sort of intensity of basically the sort of your surrounded set pieces that they did brilliantly in Resi Four and, and you know it really never really been seen or done that well before. You know the the famous kind of um, siege in the house or whatever there's a few sections in this where it throws like a surprising amount at you and it is you know it's kind of hectic rather than scary the exception is and you know we've mentioned this before like you know there are there are almost sort of sort of segmented areas that have kind of different vibes or different things going on and one of those is basically a a self-contained like haunted house without sort of spoiling it and that i thought was actually pretty scary <laughs> i also thought it was brilliant it was yeah probably the best bit of the game it's um a really inventive kind of like pt infused i would say experience yeah um, it feels like there's a very strong pt influence on it uh more so than even in like you saw a resident Evil 7 and i thought it was fantastic and um yeah quite quite daring and interesting and i almost wish there was something else that took that to the next level in this um yeah but as a as a piece of the game really really effective for sure uh, yeah, yeah. I, it, it felt like an evolution of some of the stuff they did in resi 7 with the um i can never remember his name the kind of the brother of the family um i, I can't remember his name either <laughs> you know his sec his section resident evil 7 is a bit like saw you know he kind of locks you in a death trap this is kind of a sort of similar-ish sort of self-contained thing you know, it's it's sort of a puzzle survival section, I guess is the best way of describing it without going into like specifics. Um, but it's yeah, it's a creepy ass house. Incredible sound design, like it's this creaky, like wind blown. I mean, I was playing this with the um, the old PlayStation Pulse headphones, <laughs> um, which I got for Christmas because I wanted some of that three D headphone audio. Um, and the sound mix in but I mean, throughout is amazing, but in that particular section, really, really shat me up. It's a, a, a like a, just a brilliantly done, you know, hour of the game. And you're right, you are like, oh man, I hope it does that again, or something akin to that again. But it kind of doesn't. It kind of like moves on from it, and then it's 
then it's action, action, action. Yeah, it's sort of, um, I will say, while it's never like truly so scary you want to turn it off, there's a couple of moments that like made my heart leap. And I thought, that's kind of enough for me from Resi. That's yeah. what, that's enough horror that I need from this particular series. It's never a series I've thought of as being so unbearably scary you switch it off. That's like Silent Hills domain traditionally in my head. Um, right. Whereas this is, yeah, more leans to like a balance of entertainment and horror. Um, so I think that this game threads that quite nicely. That said, if they did make a Resident Evil game that was more in that vein of that that particular location in this game, I think it would fucking rule because they've proved they're good at it here um, using, like you say, sound techniques. And this game has, like you say, phenomenal sound design, like the deployment of like key sort of creaks or like rattles or whatever at different moments of the game like i say it's that word handcrafted again i kept thinking this feels so detailed in terms of i know i'm meant to feel a specific way at this time because a sound designer decided to put this noise here and it's like there's a level of, a level of sophistication to it that i think goes beyond the kind of like you hear an enemy sort of like stomping in the distance from like i don't know <laughs> yeah. ps2 era horror games it just it, it it goes beyond that. It's like next level sound design. Just really, really impressive. Yeah, it's 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 good in the castle as well. Actually, when you get into like the upper levels and the kind of the windows and the wind kind of bashing against the windows, it it just it feels like super lonely. It's a game that it does a really good job of of just reminding you that you're kind of completely fucked and by yourself a lot of the time. You know, and if anything does turn up, it's most likely a scary wolf man who wants to eat you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that section is great. I mean, I'm glad it is kind of self-contained. Like a whole game of that would have probably been like too too much for me. I mean, I think there you're getting into the territory of like your outlasts or whatever, where it's just like, you know, I'm gonna really really shit you up for like eight hours. Um, and I kind of I liked when it was over. There was like a big breath, and it helps that it's also followed by like like something inc- an incredibly dumb stretch of the game. Um, but that's it. I, I, I like the sense of like Capcom kind of playfully like putting their foot to the pedal and being like, I'm gonna squeeze you a little bit more in this bit, and then I'm gonna let you go a bit, and then I'm gonna squeeze you a little bit more. It's it's kind of fun. Like it's fun to be played with like that. Yeah, it feels very um, very deliberate in how it does that. And um, yeah, as kind of blockbuster horror games go, I mean, there, there aren't many of them around these days. Resident Evil is pretty much, you know, the only horse in town, um, mm. a couple of outliers aside. It's, um, yeah, it's definitely doing its bit, I would say. And I um, I would say I found it like at least as scary as Resident Evil 7. Like I said, I just thought that game just kind of had like jump scares and that was basically what it had, it had in its arsenal. I would say it's probably... Mm, probably on a par with Resident Evil 2 Remake and how scary it is as well. Like, um, mm. a similar kind of vibe. Uh, so, I, yeah. I, 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 I will say, actually, a, a similarity is worth worth pointing out. The um, I found the giant lady who kind of, in the castle, sort of serves a similarish role to Mr. X in Resi 2. I, I'm finding that that whole thing less effective every time. Like... I thought the Mr. X kind of pursuing you around the police station Resident Evil 2, like, it really got me when I played the remake. Um, and then I didn't care much for, for Nemesis in the 3 remake. And here again, I was a little bit like, eh, 
yeah, I've kind of done that. Like, I kind of know what I'm doing here. I've, I've, I've dealt, you know, I've got coping mechanisms in place to deal with, like, a big thing that kind of comes through doors. But I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just my brain reacting to the just fucking endless onslaught of memes um, <laughs> about the big lady. But I, I don't know. She didn't really do it for me. <laughs> well, there we go. We've uh, learned a bit about your sexual peccadilloes. No, do it for me. Off. It's a horror thing. Like... Oh, right. I mean, I do that. But yeah. Uh, but I was... <laughs> yeah. What's your sort of whole take on the um, big lady horny discourse, Matthew? Um, I feel like it's going to date really badly, actually, if we talk about this, because people will be like, oh, yeah, remember when we were like locked down and um, everyone got horny for a fictional big lady in a video game? Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, well, like, I'm kind of happy that she existed in a way because it focused all the conversation on her and she's a relatively small bit of this game. You're like, oh, yeah, I, like we said, you don't really know anything else and it's kind of a lot more interesting. Like, I'm, they almost sort of sacrificed her in a way for you know to the discourse to kind of keep the rest of it kind of ticking over i mean she is pretty strong and she's probably like a bit more iconic than some of the other stuff in this though i like the you know i like the kind of weird bloke in it catherine always likens to uh, the baddie in final fantasy 15 arden <laughs> oh yeah so you're referring it's, to he, he's got like he's got like a, yeah heisenberg that's it he's got big arden energy he's like a weird bloke who just keeps turning up and i i think like what happens with him is probably going to be one of the more divisive elements. Again, without spoiling it, for me, it was like a big, silly Resident Evil play. So I was like fully there for it. But I've seen some people being like, oh, that's daft. And you're like, well, I don't know. I kind of like that about this game. I think this game rediscovered a bit of Resident Evil's like extreme silliness, which is something I respond to quite well. Yeah. So I agree with that. I think that that was actually not a section that particularly offended me. I think that a couple of the bosses in this game I don't think work so well. I would say that none of the bosses are actually, like, great. There's no, like, all-timer boss fight in this, like the, the Krauser fight in um, Resident Evil 4, or, like, what it's mm. like to fight that dude in that barn in Resident Evil 4. Or, like, there's a few different enemies uh, enemies that you fight in that game that um, make for memorable boss encounters, I would say. And mm. this doesn't have the same sort of, like, invention. It does have a, a couple of nice ideas in terms of how you actually deal with the enemies. I think it's quite inventive in how it does that. Mm. But to play, they're not, like, enormously satisfying, the bosses. What did you think? Yeah, it, it, it leans quite a lot on there's a massive monster and, like, the torso of, of a person sticks out of it and you just have to shoot the torso. I did that a lot in this game, um, which, which Resi, ha- you know, often leans into, but maybe only once or twice there's quite a lot of bosses as well like you probably hit one every like hour or so in this game like there's there's, there's quite a number of them um i i actually really like the castle like the the kind of the like the mini bosses in the castle that it did um because they're almost like weird little kind of puzzle fights in a way um they were they were quite nicely done um yeah i, I think you're right like nothing kind of no all timers but like genuinely quite fun and spectacular yeah, there's a few more bits about this game I wanted to run past you um, in terms of specifics, Matthew. So yeah. I'm very fond of the um, the merchant in this game, who right, yeah. is like an overweight British dude. Uh, you don't really learn much about him. He's got that same sort of slightly unsettling, well, what are you doing here vibe that the um, Resident Evil 4 merchant has. And indeed, this game leans into the fact that he is a merchant who just happens to pop up in these different strange places in the game. And um, it's a lot of fun. I was I was very fond of his energy. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I liked him. I liked the role he served. I, I, I've I've always liked kind of 
you know the resident evil 4 upgrade system this does the same thing resident evil 4 does instantly where it gives you a treasure which you can trade in for like the instant hit of money or you might be able to hold on to it and like combine it with another treasure later for something that's worth loads i've always liked that kind of risk reward kind of mechanic of like should i hold you know there's there's almost like hidden mechanics in the loot which which i think is quite fun um yeah yeah he's he's quite jolly um it's quite funny how he keeps like turning up because he's quite a, well, he's a big boy, um, and he turns up in some quite weird places. But again, like that just felt like a shift away from Resident Evil Seven. Kind of felt much closer to a, you know, if Resident Evil was real, which I know is preposterous, it would probably look more like this. Um, where this was like, no, as a magical merchant who's like always fine somehow. And you're like, okay, I, I know where I am with this. This is fine. <laughs> yeah, it's quite fun. It takes the edge off it sometimes. Like, um, there was a lot of me running away from Big Lady in this and um, just going to hide out in the room where the merchant is. <laughs> and, he, and, like, you go from her screaming at you about her daughters to, like, running in and he's having, like, a nap and he just wakes up. And it's like, oh, okay, the contrast here. It has a really good energy, I think. Um, yeah. And that's... Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I, yeah. I wish they'd... You can kill animals and and he'll cook food, which gives you like some permanent upgrades. I wish they'd done some like proper monster hunter kind of cooking animations. Um, that's like that's like one very of very few corners that is cut in this game is you don't get to see him cook. Yeah, I I thought that too when when it went down, which made me think was like the animal stuff added relatively late in this game because it is a little bit detached from the rest of the. Yeah, game. it's a bit it's a, it's a bit weak. The kind of kill these chickens and you know you get a bit faster at running or something i don't know because That's... it yeah it's i agree with you it's just a, a bit bolted on i think but um i did think with the merchant because his tummy is kind of sticking out slightly i kept thinking in my head his belly button must be a fucking state that's what i thought <laughs> i just thought i bet no Surely he's airing it so it's like healthier well i just i just hope someone's like hosing it down every now and then that was just you know that's what i thought playing it um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I'm uh, also curious, Matthew. Like, I really like the fact that the Resident Evil 4 inventory system has returned. So hmm. you could even press the same buttons that you could in the PS2 version of Resi to like pick up an item and move it, and you have that kind of like you know sort of slightly Tetrisy sort of grid based um, yeah. puzzle management game, and that's cool to see return, right? Yeah, def- definitely. I I think maybe the games like. A, a little generous with the gold on standard difficulty, which I played it on. In that, I you know I I could afford the upgrades to the inventory quite comfortably, so I never found myself wrestling with space. Like, there were like maybe like two or three moments towards the end where I just had so many bullets that that I was trying to like shift stuff around to like bring in a big gun or something. Like having all the weapons is is a bit of a stay. I actually had to sell a weapon towards the end to make room for something else. Um, but yeah, a, f- a fun thing. I mean, they could have, uh, I'm, and maybe you'll, maybe you sense this more on difficult. You know, maybe the economy of the game on like hard mode or extra hard or whatever it's called will will make that a bit of a stiffer challenge. But on standard, uh, it was I think just too generously balanced to for that stuff to like properly kick in. Um, also, like I've seen uh, a couple of people mention that they sort of missed the the quite aggressive inventory management that was needed in resident evil 7 though i think resident evil 7 because it was like a smaller like more of a survival horror game this is more explicitly like action leaning i I think it would have probably been quite miserable if you were stopping every like two minutes to like 
spin off a load of machine gun bullets or whatever. Yeah, the way they've done it here is like perfectly fine, I think. Mm. Um, my only regret is I got to the end of the game and didn't unlock some of the um, juicier guns that the merchant has. Like the uh, there's like a second shotgun you can get, and like um, machine guns oh. I never even touched in this game. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got, the, yeah, I got the shotguns. Um, I invested big in the Magnum, which I always do, which is so dumb because you get like ten bullets in the whole game, but they're kind of like if you get hit by one of those bullets, it will kill like anything. But it costs just million. It, I mean, it's literally like a million dollar bullet by the end. The <laughs> amount of money you've spent, like upgrading the damage or upgrading the kind of reload time on the Magnum, is absolutely preposterous. But it, um, you know, it saw me through the boss fights, so a good yeah. investment. That's what I did too. I almost treat the Magnum like it's like the rocket launcher Resident Evil Four, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> this I is know, so precious. You always sit on it. You always sit on it right till the end. And yeah. I don't know if you do this with bosses, but I always start with my weakest ammo and work my way up in bosses. So I, I, I get through all the pistol, then they start getting the shotgun, then they start getting the sniper rifle, and the, only then would they get the magnum if I'm all out. Um, that's always been my technique. I sort of, it varied, actually. Like I, I feel like, in a lot of ways, I while I didn't find this game difficult, it did put me in the mindset of, I have a finite number of health items, and a finite number of like items to craft more health items with. So it's kind of a race against time to get the boss dead before I ran out of all of those. And some enemies right. are just have like unavoidable attacks or a right pain in the ass to evade, so you just end up taking quite significant damage. And mm. so it actually I was actually quite proactive with, okay, right, time to get all the pipe bombs out and lay all the mines and like absolutely unload like rifle bullets into this enemy's head and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Um and so yeah, I actually think less so than normal. I was um I was being stingy with my um with my inventory. So that didn't mm. um yeah, that wasn't as big a factor for me. So uh yeah, but you are you are reminding me of how much I did enjoy the combat in this game, uh, generally. Like um I it's it's, I, it's it's fun. It's gooey. Yeah. The headshots are really good. And and like the problem is the headshots are so good that shooting the rest of the body is very unsatisfying. Yeah. And like I would say like the opening hour of this game is maybe not the strongest like when you first get to the village because you are like emptying like 10 bullets into one werewolf to take it down. You're like, oh shit, this is going to be hard work. It's incidentally why I didn't like the demo, because that's exactly the period of game that the demo taps into. You're like, oh, this is not fun at all. Um, But it only takes like a couple of upgrades for even the handgun to be like exploding heads in a couple of shots. They're really gooey. Um, The shotguns in this are so much fun. It's very generous with the bullets as well. If you like exploding heads with shotguns, this is a this is a good game, um, and I I just felt like I was on top of the werewolves that I could do it quite quite regularly. Like I really um, when you kind of there's like a big sort of sort of fortress which is like a big werewolf action set piece, and I felt like I was like properly ramboing it as I went in. I mean they were just exploding left right and center i was having a great time <laughs> i got a big cluster of them into like one place and just lobbed a pipe bomb and it was just beautiful to watch them all just evaporate um <laughs> yeah. that was good uh I, th- I, I was less less into the the kind of weird monks that you occasionally sort of fought like the the sort of the, i guess they're zombies the sort of prisoners um yeah the kind was- of human humanoid enemies I, I wasn't as bothered about them no, they were quite badly designed, I thought, because I fought some of those later in the game and I had to headshot one four times to kill him. And I thought, well... Yeah, they, head- they, felt, they felt like a Resident Evil 7 baddie. 
yeah, and I think that that that's why I think the combat in this game, while while the guns do feel really good, they just they haven't captured that thing that was so great about um, some of the modern Resident Evil games, and I think that's a slight shame. It's one area where the um, these mm. first person Resi games could improve. What I found very funny, Matthew, is that the review code. Um, I think they gave us like the limited edition um, uh, game for the the review, and mm-hmm. it comes with Albert Wesker's pistol, and it is worse than the default pistol in the game. And I found that really funny. I, I, would, I had I had bought and sold Albert Wesker's pistol within about two hours because you can't upgrade it, and it's like got, it does tiny, tiny damage. And I found that really funny that this pre-order incentive looks cool, but is actually like worse than any other gun in the game. Um, you just sell it. I love the idea of selling a pre-order incentive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're That's like, how bad junk, it is. Junk. Just give me some herbs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Actually, mentioning Albert Wesker, and this isn't like a spoiler. Like, well, I'm, I'm interested in how you feel this like ties into like Resi lore. Because one criticism I do have of it is that while I think it like rediscovers the silly side of Resi, I, I am a little. Uh, I'm not massively in love with the kind of distance that seven and eight seem to have from the rest of the series. Yeah, I think this is still the aftershocks of the reaction to six, um, kind of like filtering through to how Capcom's doing stuff. Mm. Um, I think that they're so wary of. I mean, that was like a an overload of characters and lore, and basically every part of um, Resident Evil history was represented. That was like that's that's the like the Resident Evil cinematic universe, but instead of across ten films, it's all at once. It's like one game. Yeah, and you sense that Capcom's not like entirely down on that stuff because. A, I think those characters, some of those characters are appearing again in a new Netflix TV show that's um, mm. launching. But also, obviously, like they did three remake and they did um, Resi two remake, and you know they know there's a lot of love for those characters. I agree with you. It's weirdly ashamed of that stuff, um, or at I, least I, it's yeah. Yeah, I, I just th- I just don't really understand the new Chris Redfield. I don't really understand what like, what he's meant to be because he's so different from the old Chris Redfield. And as far as I can tell, it isn't really explained. Like, he's a very... It's almost like a... Like, if someone was to say, this is an alternative timeline, I'd happily believe that. Because it's so far removed. You know, there's a little... There's, like, a little nod uh, in there that kind of ties maybe the events of these games to, like, the wider series. But this used to be a game that, like... This used to be a series that, like, lent in pretty hard to that stuff. And I feel like it's quite integral to a lot of its appeal and, like... People like these characters. You know, they like Claire, they like Leon, they've got a lot of kind of attachment to them. So the idea that, you know, you the, the only connective tissue is Chris Redfield, and he's kind of unrecognisable. Like, physically, he's, he's a different man. I mean, it's very odd. Yeah, he's got like a very naff haircut, this sort of like half-fringe thing that he's got going on. Um, I think that I, like you, would have preferred it if they just said, oh yeah, okay, we've rebooted Resident Evil, so all the previous events didn't take place or whatever. But um, the kind of, uh, yeah, the way they use him in this, it's it's like we are supposed to believe this is the same man who beat Albert Wesker in a volcano, like, years before. (laughs) And, you know, um, it it doesn't, it does not add up in terms of, like, he (laughs) was fighting, yeah, giant monsters in Resident Evil 6, you know. Yeah. I just think the the silliness of this game meant that the whole time I really was expecting at some point, like, fucking leon to walk in that'd be like yes this is so much fun this is like old resi through and through and it just you know it never really took that step and i I felt like 
you know, it's unfair to rate games for not doing things you wanted them to do. But, you know, tonally, it's in a place where you're like, it feels like it's ready to like come home to old Resi. Um, but instead, it's kind of no. And if it is a reboot, it's wrapping up its like story, you know, in the second part. You know, it's the you know it's the Ethan Winters arc. It's quite. Uh, I'd love to know what their overarching plan is for this because you know it's like there will be more Resi for sure. But I I just have no read on like what it could possibly be. Yeah, let me like give you one of my really like specific problems with this game. It's a small problem, but like you say, they've kind of thrown out that hokey Resident Evil stuff and. While this game does discover a bit of the fun, I kept thinking this game has like the kind of wrapping of some uh, like a prestige horror film or something, but mm. it doesn't have any themes as a story. Like it has no mm. themes and no like it. There is a story fundamentally, an A to B kind of story, but there's no like there, there's like the aesthetics of like a, like you know the elevated horror. I know that term that. Um, horror fans hate on twitter but <laughs> that kind of like it feels like it's it's reaching for something quite grand in terms of how it's presented visually and in terms mm. of the audio but yeah because there are no themes to the story there's no like large like deeper sort of meaning to any of it i found that kind of slightly odd sometimes i just thought if this had a little bit more going on in terms of subject matter i think it would offset the fact that it, it feels quite disconnected from resi generally um, mm. But as it stands, I, can't, I I don't know. Ethan's such a blank slate of a man that he just he doesn't do any of the heavy lifting in that department. There are no themes in this game. It's just a man trying to retrieve his daughter and then encounters some absolute fucking weirdos along the way. Yeah, um, it's because it, it, it you know it almost uses the first person perspective to say like this is a more like personal lived in Resident Evil. Like you're just that much closer to the action. You know, this is kind of a you know, it, it it thinks it clearly thinks itself a more like emotional, sophisticated drama. I think in terms of its characters, I think they think Ethan is a better character. But like the universe is, I I wouldn't say the old Resident Evils have any kind of themes. Like they're pure cheese, um, but they commit to it in a big way, and they've got these big cheesy heroes who are good fun. But when you try and you know, ground it or have some sort of emotional resolution. It just doesn't quite add up. It doesn't really click together and work. That's completely like uh, completely true. They do, I think, see Ethan as um, better than we think he is. But um, I yeah, mean, the- some of the bosses towards the end of this are so dumb. Like the stuff that happens. Like you wish it was Chris Redfield, like shouting mad bullshit as as, as it happened. Like I think there's stuff in this which is kind of close to boulder punching in terms of how silly it is yeah i think so too but um yeah like you say they won't go the whole way i think people will dig it though if you're, if you're a resident Evil fan like it's close enough to that old style of resi that you will like it even if mm. like us you're a bit um ambivalent towards seven so yeah um i think we're almost at the end then matthew of like um talking about this game is there anything else you wanted to talk about in terms of where capcom is at with resident evil these days do you think it tells us anything about where they're going next you know without getting into like massive spoiler territory like they seem to set up certain things like there seems to be a very clear clear direction that they have in mind you know i i think there's still mileage in in the first person 
you know, perspective. You know, I'd, I'd happily see him go back to third. I don't think it's played out, though, the first-person thing. Like, uh, you know, there's a lot more kind of sophisticated, fun stuff in this than there was in Seven. You know, there's some, like we say, there's those kind of kill, killer kind of, you know, killer horror segment which could easily be explored further. Um, you know, it'd be a shame to have amassed the kind of skills to make a game like this and then tear off in a different direction. You know, I definitely don't think this kind of resi is played out for my money. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that I'm largely speculating here based on what we know about Capcom or what we've what we've seen reported about Capcom, I should say. But um, it's rumored they're remaking Resident Evil Four. I don't think mm. they need to do that. I think that's um, not a good use of their time. But I'm sure <laughs> um, it will do very well. And you know, I'm, I, I have no doubt that the um, the talented teams who have made the last few Resident Evils, it's had a good few years in terms of fan reception, will do a good job remaking Resident Evil 4. And in my mind, I sort of think Capcom has split it down into there's these parallel tracks with Resi. So, mm. the, in fact, they've always been a bit like this, even where they were like making you know the Revelations games alongside Resi 6, for example. Like um, This has happened before, but it's more that thing of now, there's like first-person sort of innovative new Resi, and then third person like remakes of Resi. And those seem to be the two tracks they have at the moment of, you know, different takes on the series. And I'm like I like you would like to see another first person game. I would also like to see a third person Resi game that's like original and and kind of in the sort of vein of the um Resi two and three remakes in terms of how it plays. Mm. Uh, I think there's like there's room for both. So yeah, yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're such skillfully made games, but they are, you know, the, the the only weakness of the of the remakes is that it's such well trodden ground, and you kind of know what's coming, and it plays with those expectations. But like to have that kind of experience, like properly, kind of off the chain, would be would be great. Yeah, I feel like um, two already sort of peaked with how much joy I could extract from revisiting an old Resident Evil setting in that uh, sort of template. Mm. Um, so yeah. But uh, yeah, so finally, Matthew, I was curious if what you thought of this as like a next-gen showcase, because like you say, this is one of the first big PS5, Xbox Series X games. You can obviously play it on old formats. Mm. Um, apparently it scales very well on PC. It does look extraordinary, I think. It's a, uh, worth playing just to, to see what it looks like in a lot of places. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, really gorgeous. Like a, a, a big, big step up. Um like the level of detail in like some of the environments is, is absolutely amazing. Like especially in like the castle with all the chandeliers and everything, it's very impressive. Um, the sound design, absolutely brilliant. The three D audio or whatever they call it on on PlayStation is is like brilliantly done. Um, I was I was really impressed with that. Um, yeah, I played a chunk of it on PC as well, um, where it like it's even better looking. I mean it's. A, a really gorgeous game i think it will push pcs quite hard it will and it will scale for a few years to come and you know only be looking better um uh, the, i'd say the one complaint i had is i actually i had to do quite a lot of tweaking before i got the controls feeling just right on playstation 5 i don't think out of the box that aiming i think the aim is a little sluggish and even on the maximum settings which are basically to dial everything up i was never 100 percent happy with it um but I don't know if that's just because obviously on PC you've got the mouse and it's super fast and smooth. But I don't normally have problems with analog stick aiming. Um, but this one, it, it did take me a while to click. Um, but that might just be me. 
Well, I mean, you could argue that the um, they did it deliberately to increase the sense of struggle or to make it slightly harder to aim. But um, mm. I don't know, maybe I'm just sort of defending um, bad shooting. Yeah, I don't know. I, but then that also early, like you said, that early stretch of the game where you've got slightly underpowered weapons, it, you know, you don't hit very hard by design and it, you know, it's not ideal. <laughs> there were a few times when I played this where I thought, if my fingers weren't as strong as they are, I don't think I could like press the triggers on the Dual Shock um, or the where it's called the Dual Sense <laughs> PS5 controller. I had this when I played the PS5 version of Avengers actually, and it's like you know aiming as Tony Stark Iron Man. I have to really fucking push that button down. It's like, like a con- workout. It is a little bit. Yeah, I'm gonna have like absolutely fucking like roided kind of fingers in a year <laughs> from playing. They're trying this. to make your hands feel the pain that Ethan Winter's hands go through. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't, like, shoot nails out of the controller through your hands. (laughs) Yeah, so I agree. It's really good as a next-gen showcase. And as as someone who's, like, looking to not spend time at his desk at the moment, because uh, my desk in my flat is no longer synonymous with um, fun PC gaming times. It's synonymous with working at home for a year. So it's not a fun space to sit in now. I like playing (laughs) console games that have really good, like, 60 FPS kind of modes in them and this runs mm. great at 60 fps on ps5 mm. so yeah a really good next gen showcase so finally matthew i was curious we haven't done this before but what would you give this out of 10 if you were reviewing it for someone i i'd probably give it a very enthusiastic eight yeah agreed eight is the right score i thought i thought of i read a lot of reviews this afternoon and i think the one i genuinely agreed with most was um andy kelly i think he gave it 85 for pc gamer yeah yeah it was interesting to see people's different mileage on them stuff they liked and didn't like in the game but i agree that andy seemed to like all the same stuff that i did so um... yeah so his review is the best (laughs) (laughs) oh good stuff so matthew We'll take a short break then, after talking about Resident Evil Village there. Our listeners can digest that and decide whether they want to buy it or not. Or maybe they've already played it and they're listening to this and thinking, oh, what an interesting uh, set of observations. I mean, it won't take you longer than a weekend to beat. So, um, you know, it's uh, you can kind of listen to this on the Monday after you finish it on the Sunday, really. But mm. we'll take a short break and then we're going to come back with our top five Resident Evil games. Let's do it. Welcome back to the podcast. In this section, we're going to count down our top five Resident Evil games. We're going to do a usual thing of alternating and going through a top five list. But before we get to that, Matthew, I was curious if you could tell me about your personal history with Resident Evil and what's like the first entry you played in the series. So the first one I I, I owned and played was actually Resident Evil Remake on the GameCube, which I would say is coming to the series quite late, but given the tale on it, actually feels quite early these days. Um... I was always envious, like reading Games Master. I mean, this is just a series I associate with PlayStation. Um, we didn't have a PlayStation One um, until very late, in the, like after basically the PlayStation One era. So it was something I saw played at friends' houses. Weirdly, like my defining early Resident Evil experience was in secondary school. Um, I used to be a student librarian, which will no doubt uh, shock you. And one of the perks of being a librarian was uh, we got to have lunch in the library office, which had a TV. So while all the punks outside were like <laughs> laughing at you because you're a librarian, you're like, well, I got access to a TV, which is exactly what punks like. So joke's on them. 
<laughs> Alleg- uh, brackets allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, I think the jo- I think when we add it all up at the end, you will agree the joke is on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after careful deliberation, we have decided yes, the joke. They're joke's like, on them. yes, <laughs> we have it seven to five. The joke is on them. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Uh, this is a very <laughs> long, stupid story. Uh, uh, I remember there was like a week where the librarian's son, who wasn't at our school, like for whatever reason, couldn't stay at home. So to come and basically like live in the library <laughs> and uh, he bought his PlayStation 1 in. So all of a sudden the library office was like PlayStation 1 Central. Must have been when Resi 2 was out because every lunchtime we just got to watch him playing Resi 2 fucking amazing like what a killer school day is that it's like i know that when this boring science lesson finishes i'm gonna go to the library and watch someone play resi too that's amazing so yeah i watched that incredibly jealous i always used to think it just looked like the most amazing amazing thing um but yeah it wasn't until gamecube um and the astonishing resident evil one remake um that i really got into it but I've, i've liked the series ever since um I've tried to go back and play as many of them as I can. I, I like how daft and silly it is. That's really reflected in my list, which is a pretty unconventional one, I'd say. What, what about you? When did your Resi, uh, Resi relationship start? Yeah, so I, I missed the original Resident Evil. I would say that like um, one of the things we want to kind of own up to is the fact that we've not played every game in the series yeah. between us. Uh, but neither of us have really played Code Veronica that much, for example. Yeah. Um, I haven't played the original version of 3. I haven't played Code Veronica and what else? I um, I didn't play the original Resident Evil, like I say. Uh, I haven't played Zero either, but um, Zero I didn't mind like skipping for this list because I understand it's a lesser entry. And I also haven't played the Outbreak games, which I don't believe were online when they were released in Europe. But I understand that they're actually... like It's got a really... Like passionate cult audience, this one, um, this uh, kind of subset of online games as a kind of co-op online um, fixed view Resident Evil games. So there's quite a few that I haven't played, and yeah. um, I would blame that on Shinji Mikami, who seemed to be able to like keep switching formats whenever it suited him, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, particularly true when you get to the GameCube era of Resi. But for my first experience, I um, this felt like a series i read about in magazines for a long time and i yeah my, my parents were quite sensitive to games that were like rated older than me i don't know why i don't know if they thought that like um playing them would you know uh, expose me to some kind of like i, I don't really know i guess they're just obeying the law but either way <laughs> it meant i didn't have like ready access to these games when i knew like you know i knew like nine and ten year olds who were playing the original grand theft auto and it was just um surreal by comparison so the first one I played was Resident Evil 2. I um, There was a PC port for that. I didn't ever have a PS1. I didn't have an N64 either for a long time. Yeah. So I ended up playing um, the PC port of Resident Evil 2, which was released by Virgin Interactive in the UK. And um, that was my first taste of it. And um, I played it with a joystick, like a, <laughs> like a flight simulator-style joystick, <laughs> which is not the uh, optimal way to play, I would say. But... Um, <laughs> Did you yeah. have the, were you controlling it with the flight simulator like pedals under the desk? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To like raise and lower his gun arm. You were pressing the pedal down and lifting. <laughs> yeah. Hammering the eject button to swipe the knife. Um, uh, so I've got quite a lot of affection for Resident Evil 2 as a result of that. But um, I would say that then there's a kind of like later period where suddenly Resident Evil becomes very important to me. 
and I become mm. like deep into it. And this is around the kind of late noughties where Resi Four releases, and then I aggressively get into like you know start tracking down older entries in the series, and I got really deep into the HD era ones as we've discussed in previous episodes. So yeah, I've got a long history with it. Um, but yeah, mm. like I say, I uh, I mostly blame Shinji Mikami for switching formats too many times with this series um, mm. for my uh, missing bits there. But yeah. I was um, curious, Matthew, if you have any comprehensive take on what makes a great Resident Evil game. Is it like um, purely horror? Is it a bit of action? What's your sort of take on what makes a good one? I mean, it feels like a series which splits into like a couple of phases, like the older game, you know, basically, you know, pivots at Resident Evil 4 and then maybe pivots again at 7. Weirdly, I like both. Uh, you know, I like both the survival horror. You know, I like the the scary kind of like slightly um, awkward kind of tank controls of the early games and and wrestling with them and the the the, the kind of fixed angles. Um, I, but I love the over the shoulder action as well. And I, you know, I I, I even like the, the I like the sequels to form more than most. I would say. Um, I think they're both united by like a real commitment to the sort of silliness of the resi world often games have like two halves in that they have you know setting that kind of gives way to the slightly more kind of sci-fi trope of you know so it's kind of horror into sci-fi you know the monsters that keep coming back the ridiculous boss fights i think some of that tone like doesn't really match the series until you get to resident evil 4 i don't think until you get to resident evil 4 that it's actually a like an action game that makes that kind of fits the sort of blockbuster scale of some of its action like you know as 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 important as they are i would say like you know resident evil one to three are slightly mismatched in terms of they're so awkward but they're trying to do quite kind of ambitious action um which is reflected in one of my list choices actually so yeah it's it's a kind of a, a, a weird series but i love the silliness of it i love the kind of melodrama of it I love the boss that always comes back in one big last form. They're really old school video games, even now. Like, I've said it before, I like, you know, fighting a boss the size of a planet or fighting God at the end of a game. Resident Evil kind of has that vibe, has that energy. Charmingly daft and naff, and I just don't want it to grow up. Yeah, so for anyone who's uh, listening at home and playing the uh, back page drinking game, uh, you can tick off... um... Matthew mentioning, mentions fighting God uh, at the end of a video game. That's right next to where Matthew mentions the Dyson on um, on your bingo card. So, uh, yeah, tone-wise, I kind of agree with you. I do think that when you get to Resident Evil 4, the match between like the type of action you're doing and the kind of silly tone makes sense. I think that mm. so much of the early kind of like chatter around the PS1 resis were, oh, look how bad the voice acting is or look how kind of like silly these games are. Mm. And um, I think in retrospect, people have a lot of respect for those games. I don't underestimate the amount that silliness brings to the series in terms of tone. That's one of the reasons I did bounce off of 7. It's because it's so like, oh, look what a serious horror game we are. And yet, it was mm. more, yet to me, it was more boring than a lot of its um, entries that were far dafter and lent into the um, the lore of the series. So uh, mm. it varies vastly. And I've got a lot of time for Capcom being experimental when it's good. I don't know why they keep trying to make like bad multiplayer games involving Resi. That's been like mm. very frustrating to see play out. Like competitive multiplayer, they're constantly trying to crack it. 
Like they did um, the terrible Operation Raccoon City. I never played that in competitive, but one of the most miserable campaigns I've ever played, <laughs> and probably the worst like exponent of Japanese publishers panicking and harvesting out all of their big series to Western studios in the HD era. Like that was one of the lowest points. It's just a rotten, yeah. a rotten unless, game. Unless it's just this sort of sense that to kind of compete in the modern age you know the package has to be so big i mean I, that's actually another thing i didn't didn't mention with village like um i haven't had a chance to play the mercenaries i didn't actually see it in there um <laughs> i don't know do you have to buy it or unlock it i don't know but there is a mercenaries mode in this and i think village there seems to be a lot more going on as a wider package than you've got with seven like seven rather infamously stuck all its bonus content basically is paid for dlc <laughs> where Resident Evil has always been quite generous outside of its main campaign. I don't think they need to do crap multiplayer modes, you're right. I mean, they've actually, like, in Mercenaries, hit upon something that is genuinely brilliant and is by no no means played out. So they should just stick to that and and just keep banging out Mercenaries. Yeah. uh, Is anyone going to play that reverse? It looks ghastly. (laughs) It really does. Like, um, I've tweeted this before, but my big... My big pitch for the ideal Resident Evil multiplayer game is Mercenaries, like you say, where it's (laughs) basically like settings and characters from the entire series. So like what they've done with that terrible looking reverse thing, like, you know, loads and loads of kind of fan service, different sort of costumes of, you know, the heroes and villains throughout the ages, fighting every different type of monster you can name from like, you know, village all the way back to the original resident evil across Mm. like and then they just keep adding like maybe like the levels are free but then they like release new paid for characters and it becomes you know this kind of like ongoing thing like that's that is a kind of like a big score attack online co-op game that's like my dream resi spin-off um but they won't make it then instead then instead kept keep making very boring looking kind of like shooters military shooters and competitive games yeah. that are awkwardly fit into the the worlds of those series it's weird because i like what you're describing is sort of what i think isn't that what killing floor basically is like yeah. a sort of set i think that's free to play as you know and it's just like a big mercenary it's you know it's it's a big pve co-op thing that they just keep adding stuff to and it rakes it in yeah mercenaries is they need to do more with it but you know, it's a good bonus mode in Village, or I imagine it will be. I haven't played it yet. Yeah, yeah. One day maybe they'll get there. But um, yeah, should we get onto our top five, Sir Matthew? Let's do it. Sure. Do you want to go first? Yeah. So this is probably the most controversial one on my list, and please don't switch off this podcast when you hear it. <laughs> um, but I am picking the light gun shooter Resident Evil Dark Side Chronicles on the Wii. That's number five for you, right? That's number five. Is that higher on your list? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, it's not. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've talked a bit about this one before, but um, I don't yeah. think this is that controversial. This is, as ever, these are like heartless, right? So Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is, uh, they made two light gun games, Umbrella Chronicles, Dark Side Chronicles um, for the Wii. Dark Side Chronicles is a light gun basically retelling of Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil Code Veronica. Uh, and it also has an original campaign, which is the kind of the the backstory of Krauser and Leon before Resi 4. So you, you basically find out like why he is why he is in Resident Evil 4 and why you fight him and what his beef is, um, which I think is actually like 
an interesting enough nugget to tell. Um, and as a little campaign, that's quite good. What I like about this, and it's that thing I was talking about, about the match of like mechanics to tone. I actually think the bombast of uh, Resident Evil 2 and Code Veronica, the, the, the mad like boss rust nature of them, the intensity of them, suits a light gun game probably slightly better than uh, a sort of slow shambling survival horror. Obviously, I'm not denying re- like Resident Evil 2 may even be in my list. Like it's it's a it's a brilliant combination of things, but it also fits the madcap energy of a light gun game really well because you know it's a load of locations that you're trying to move through quite fast. There are huge boss monsters. They keep coming back. If anything, it it shows those boss fights in a way more cinematic light um, than you'd ever imagined you were going to see them. Um, I'd argue that actually, like, the boss fights redos of Resident Evil 2 in Darkseid Chronicles are more exciting than the boss fight redos in Resident Evil 2 Remake. <laughs> like, it, because with that fixed perspective, you can choreograph them, you can just do, you know, you can have the mad kind of tyrant bursting out of things and smashing stuff up. For a Wii game, it looks spectacular. Um, I will put my hand up and say I haven't played Code Veronica, the original, um, but I loved it in Dark Side Chronicles. Like, I loved the tone of it. It was like this mad... Uh, it's like, a, you know, whether this is entirely true to it, I don't know. It's like another mad mansion with, like, these two twisted siblings who are kind of playing mind games with you. It's really good fun. I mean, this is quite substantial. It's like 12-hour, you know, 10, 12-hour game for a light gun campaign. It's, you know, it takes its time telling those stories. But, yeah, I, I thought this this took the silliness of Resident Evil and just recycled it in a really apt form i'm a big fan oh you're making me want to play it it was um pretty acclaimed this as well like right it was pretty um yeah it's like 75 on metacritic but like there are plenty of 80s from people in the know i I will say it's not like a pure it's not a great light gun game like it's absolutely fine but it's not like you know a chunky house of the dead it's not like big chunks of them coming off like if you hit them in the heads they you know the headshots are quite nice but it's almost a little too um like well behaved as a light gun game it's also too long you know it's too long for just that kind of arcade energy but like as a vehicle for you know this particular story it's it's pretty good i think you can uh, they did the hd remakes for ps3 i think yeah that's right if you've got a playstation move controller it um it works with that so it's uh that might be the nicest way to play it visually. Yeah, but yeah, I was just a, yeah, I was a really big fan of this. Um, yeah, it's funny because when I, uh, I I remember interviewing the guy about the producer of this when he came over to Capcom, and um, I was asking, it's odd, it's got co-op stuff, but you can see your co-op partner on screen. And I thought I, I thought that was a little odd, like that they were kind of in the action, but they're also meant to, you know, you don't see them doing the stuff that your co-op partner would be doing. And I think the translator really mangled my question. And then the guy was like, oh, I understand. You just want to look at their asses," he said. And I was like, no, that's not what I asked at all. And he was like, you just want to look at, like, Claire's butt the whole time. Is that what you're saying? And I was like, no, I, I really am. Uh, that's not what I'm saying at all. I got quite flustered about it. Um, that's my Dark Side Chronicles anecdote. <laughs> Well, there you go. Like, lots of great value there. I mean, first we got a um, uh, an absolutely blistering take that a light gun resi game is better than like several mainline entries. In the no, I, I I I already retract that. <laughs> but no, no, I, I think that's a, a good choice for the type of list we're doing here, right? Like, it's yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, it's good. Like, weirdly, Umbrella Chronicles is incredibly boring and flat, and that's because it retails Resident Evil 1, which actually doesn't suit this. It isn't fast-paced enough a story. It isn't interesting enough a kind of mix of action to work in the light gun setting. But 2 definitely does. Hmm. No, good stuff. That's... um. Uh, yeah, a fine, interesting choice to kick us off. So, so uh, what's your number five? I've gone with original Resident Evil Two. Is that on your list? Oh, that's higher on my list. Oh, good stuff. Well, we'll um, we'll circle back to it. What have you got in the meantime, Matthew, for your number four? Uh, number four, I've got Resident Evil Revelations Two. Interesting. This is not on my list. It's another Samuel Roberts has not played this one, but people say it's good, right? People like this. Yeah, one. it's yeah. So it's 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 kind of the weird episodic one that I guess they did went episodic because like telltale was doing well at the time with with like walking dead it's kind of that era um the sequel to revelations which was on 3ds which was a like a, a gorgeous 3ds game but only a moderately successful combination of kind of resident evil 4 style and the and maybe the slower tone it wasn't gory or gooey enough bad monsters um I got that wrong in the review. I gave that 90 on 3DS. That was pure 3DS madness. Um, yeah, but it did seem exciting at the time. Like It, it was, was exciting yeah. at the time. But yeah, anyway. Um, Revelations 2. Uh, the interesting thing with this is like, it's a really great co-op game. And it's an interesting co-op game in that the partner character is way underpowered. It's not just two like-for-like action heroes. You have your traditional Resi hero... Um, uh, it's oh, I can never remember which combination it is. I know it's Barry Burton is one of them, but I can't remember. The, is it Claire? Claire's is in the Claire? game. Yeah, Claire's in the game. Claire and Barry, and and but the 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 characters they're partnered with are basically sort of frail and have um, like distraction or sort of stun powers. Um, Barry's partnered with a little girl who's got sort of paranormal abilities, and she can sort of see invisible enemies that Barry can't. So she has to like point them out to him which as a co-op mechanic is quite interesting. Like, it did a bit more than the straight kind of two-player co-op of, like, five and six, for example. Like, it had a bit more of an interesting dynamic. Um, it's, you know, not not like mega production values. It feels, like, slightly cheaper than mainline Resi at the time. Like, it was a spin-off. Um but even so, like, it ticked off, uh, you know, it went through all the tropes. It had, like, a kind of creepy prison. There was, like, a mad sort of fun house, which kind of ticked off your, like, weird house, which you always need in a resi. It ends with a really spectacular action scene. Um, yeah, just as a different co-op take, I really, really like this. Yeah, that's why um, uh, this game kind of passed me by a little bit. So it sort of launches in that sort of like weird period between Resi, uh, Resi 6 and Resi 7, right? Where mm. Capcom doesn't do anything for a while, basically. And um, yeah, you're kind of curious about where it's going to go next. But um, yeah, no, this kind of passed me by. It's also on like such a massive variety of formats. Like this is a game you can play on both PS3 and Nintendo Switch, which is um, quite wild. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. It's good. If uh, Yeah, definitely play through it cart though, because it, yeah, the, the, the funny thing is the, the little girl, um, Natalia, like her power is like pointing at things for Barry to shoot. And she's quite creepy. She's like a, a little girl in like a sort of like Victorian nightdress. And when she points, you can sort of spin her on the spot. And I, I remember playing with Catherine. We've got like a, a, a funny clip saved on the Xbox One of like um, she was looking down the sights as Barry 
of like a sniper rifle and sort of saw her and then she very slowly just pivots on the spot pointing to be pointing down the lens the, the the sniper rifle sights and it was like a proper like damien in the omen type thing it was just really freaky cr- creepy little girl um hmm. i'm surprised she didn't get like memed to death she feels very meme worthy that's probably because the game didn't sell as well as uh uh, another kind of like mainline residual wood. Um, yeah. But yeah, shame. Oh, people missed out on a lot of memeing material. <laughs> what a shame. Oh, that's a good choice. Tragedy. I've bought this on at least two formats, so I should probably play it at some point. Oh, yeah. But, um, will I ever convince my girlfriend to play it with me? That's um, a larger question. But um, yeah, it's good. It's a romp. It's like eight hours or something. It's like each episode's like a couple of hours. It's nice, swift, gets oh. the job done. Nice. Yeah. yeah good, a good shout. Um, so it's my number four, right? Mm hmm. I've got Resident Evil 5 at number four. Is this in your list? This isn't in my list. Yeah, so this probably won't be a massive surprise to um, people who have listened to uh, game review scores we got right, where I defended this game while also pointing out it's um, problematic, as um, as you might <laughs> say. So I definitely like uh, cop to that, just to make that very clear again. Well, this listen, is got- you didn't make it. <laughs> No, that's true. But I, I, but I copped it. I own up. I mean, Capcom have done a number on you. <laughs> well, I am saying it's. Um, I, I am saying it's good. Whilst um, acknowledging that's that, fine. yeah, yeah, like a lot of eighties and nineties movies, it's good while also having um, having some issues in terms mm. of um, what it portrays. But yeah, so um, I'm big on this game. This is the co-op resi game that is largely credited with taking the series into more action-oriented territory in a way that wasn't so good. People see this as like the bad end result of what Resident Evil 4 was doing in terms of um, reinventing the series. I don't really feel that way. I think this does a bunch of stuff really well. You mentioned that um, this is a bit more of a conventional co-op experience. I actually think this has got some really good co-op mechanics. So Mm. it's got a fun like item switch um, inventory management system where... Um, you can request a specific item um, from a different character and then um, hand it to them. And um, you can basically swap your inventories around to make sure you've got the right stuff. But this is particularly good because it's got good comedy value. So um, you can have a character say, I need an egg, and then be given an egg by another character because eggs are things <laughs> you can collect in that game. That's quite funny. Um, but also, it's got like a button to say thank you. Um, mm. uh, so you can say... Um, I need an egg and then someone will hand you an egg and go here and then you'll go thanks very much and it's like <laughs> that having that kind of power as a player creates so many funny instances of like especially when you're sat in the same room as someone and you don't say anything to them but in the game you say thanks very much like when playing this game with friends um on in split screen that is so funny to just like hit the thanks very much button when you're sat in the same room like endlessly funny too um, too lazy to say it for yourself <laughs> yeah exactly and um the other area where i think that the um sort of co-op uh, mechanics work very well is um obviously i think this has got the best mercenaries mode of the series i think mm-hmm. six has got a good mercenaries mode too including an absolutely like bonkers um uh, kind of like current gen console only version where it adds like tons more enemies on screen so it's an absolute it's absolutely chaotic it's like fighting a war that's quite fun <laughs> and silly i think it's called no mercy it's like fighting a war except you're dem- demanding eggs over your radio the whole time <laughs> uh, sadly i don't think it has that system in, um, oh. in six no no more egg demands but um <laughs> this um it does five has a really good spread of different characters there's um albert wesker is like i think i mentioned this on a previous episode but he can basically chain together attacks and like 
reload in a certain way that means that he's always accumulating time. So you can basically eliminate every single one of the enemies that appears in the mercenaries arena because he's so efficient at um, you shoot, you use a melee attack, and then you quickly open the menu screen and you like pick up ammo and drop it onto the gun in the menu screen and you've reloaded without having to watch the reload animation in the game, therefore accumulating seconds as you go. And it's got all of these kind of like mad kind of shortcuts to increase your time basically and i really love that it's got that depth to it and when you're playing it with another player you can spec so you know you might have a character who comes in with a sniper rifle but you've got a shotgun so okay they'll go stand on this rooftop over here while you go deal with some characters up close just really really rich as a co-op game i think and um, a bit underrated for it i think it's because the campaign is a little bit flabby and odd it has a few down moments um isn't as good a campaign as four i would never argue that but i've got a lot of affection for this one um, mm. Yeah, you got any take on this one, Matthew? Not really. I, I, I've not done the proper co-op thing in it, which is which is probably why it doesn't rate as high. Like in my head, this was a game that kind of like it felt like it it lent into a lot of the the kind of the highlights of four without like one hundred percent understanding what made them brilliant. But it, it's kind of my memory of it. Um, uh, I also I I haven't played the um, there's a DLC for this. I've always wanted to play. Um, that's sort of set in the... Is it the original Spencer Mansion? I don't know if it is. I think it's set in a different location, but then there's all kinds of like riffs from um, Chris and Jill about, um, oh, remember, doesn't this feel familiar? That sort of thing. Right, um, but it, it looked yeah. like that. And in my head, you know, that was like if you remade Resi 1 with the kind of the over-the-shoulder controls, a la Resi 2 and 3, that might be what it looked like. So the appeal, you know... I remember just seeing little videos of it and little screenshots and thinking, oh yeah, I should I should play that. Yeah, that's a classy DLC. I really like that one. Um, and I think it's in all of the different uh, re-release versions they did on um, consoles too. So yeah, they're yeah. good. If you, if you, yeah, if you, uh, I really really recommend uh, the the five and six uh, ports on um, Xbox One and PS4 were pretty tasty and yeah. pretty good value as well. They've made it very easy to access like basically the entire series now on um particularly on Xbox where you can play Code Veronica. But uh mm. yeah. What's your number three then, Matthew? Oh that's Resident Evil Two original. Ah, nice. Yeah. So uh what's your relationship to this one? I, I guess you we, that was the one you mentioned you're watching in your um library. Yeah, this is the one I watched in the library while all those suckers stood outside <laughs> playing football and kissing girls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh oh wait. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh no, so I, I didn't actually play this until like super late. I played this on Vita um after basically wiping my Vita so I could download it from the US store. Um which was dumb, but you know, nice to play it. Um I felt like I needed to play it with the remake coming out. Um Yeah, I just uh yeah, I I love the kind of the 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 sort of chunky action style of it. I like I prefer the action um bent of this one. Um I really, really loved the uh the kind of the campaign structure with the kind of the 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 sort of flip flopping stories. Um weirdly I thought the way they changed it in the remake like wasn't anywhere near as good. I think the remake's got like less legs to it, weirdly, um than the original does. Um just because of the you know, it felt like you were repeating a lot more. Um, yeah, it's just classic. It's like big, big, you know, big silly monsters, big silly bosses, um, lots of variety, lots of sort of surprising areas. Um, like it didn't, it didn't really scare me when I played it because I was that much older. But 
you know, I really have it burnt into my head of, um, you know, watching it when I was, you know, a teenager in that in that library office, um, which isn't like the scariest place to play a game. But I remember the 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 zombies kind of pulling themselves out of the um, the like the morgue out of the um, the kind of body drawers or whatever they're called, and being like, that is the scariest shit ever. I cannot imagine how horrible that would be. <laughs> um, yeah, just a really. Just a really classy, atmospheric game. Yeah, you might be right about it having more legs than um, Resident Evil 2 Remake. So it's the zapping system you're referring to, right? Yeah, I just think there's... I think there's... Like, playing both versions of it, you get a different... You get, like... I don't know, it feels like four quite different things happen. Where in, in, in the remake, it's much more simplified. Like, it does change some things, but they're basically the... There's only like two versions of it. I can't. I find it quite hard to explain, but it's it's definitely uh, it covers a lot more of the same ground. And it, you know, like the, the big difference being that like whatever you play in the remake, Mister X is like integral to the police station. Where in the original, Mister X only comes in on the B paths. I think is right, um, and he's much scarier for being kind of like a little short, sharp shock. Yeah, I think that in this one, so in the remake, they um, they do actually use Mr. X in a similar way, right? Like, he basically spends the entirety of the second playthrough chasing you, and then he just appears briefly in the first playthrough. It's my understanding of how they do it, but um, yeah. Oh, maybe, yeah I think... I'm getting muddled. maybe I'm getting muddled with it, but... No, I, I think you're right in that the system was, like, portrayed differently. They did change mm. it to make it more simplified. And um, yeah, I love to because... I think that the setting is iconic. I think that Leon and Claire are are just like, you know, burned into my brain as like 90s iconography that I have a lot mm. of affinity for. Um, I wouldn't argue that the Resident Evil characters are particularly deep or anything like that. They are very silly um, sort of protagonists, but they're quite winning protagonists. I think um, the intro to this game is unbelievably good. One of like, yeah. you know, considering the time, these are like early 3D games. The arrival in Raccoon City and the explosion and running through streets filled with zombies just such a tense scary opening particularly when mm. you're it's funny they're 15 rated games but i think these are perfect games to play when you're like 11 or 12 where mm. you're just kind of like getting into horror and this just has enough things to like really freak you out whereas i think when you play this um when you play this when you're older it just it can't quite have the same effect on you i think that i just think the age that when i discovered this was the right age to play it um mm. yeah really loved it and i think that the obviously that kind of uh, the police station setting is like the main event in this i think the resi 2 remake illustrates that when it takes you to the later lab settings it's not quite as interesting um a location mm. um but nonetheless i think just um when you first get into this police station in the original it feels like an impossible labyrinth to kind of unpick and um mm. it feels a lot bigger than it does in resi 2 remake well, i think it's just because in terms of like the dimensions, it has to like be a certain size in Resident Evil Remake to kind of make yeah. sense. Um, but there's something about it; it just feels so so big and hard to kind of like map out in your head when you first play the original. Um, mm. Magic, just pure magic, absolutely brilliant game. Um, and yeah, I'd still recommend it. The reason I, I put this in the list is because even with the remake around, I still think this is worth playing in its own right. The, it, the remake does not erase this, basically. Like no, the, no, yeah. Whereas there's another game on this list that, um, and probably on your list, I would argue does erase the original somewhat. But um, yes, mm. uh, nonetheless. Anything more to add on that one, Matthew? No, sounds good. 
Cool. Uh, right, so my, my number three, right? Yeah. Okay, so my number three, I think, will be higher on your list. It's um, the Resident Evil remake on GameCube. That is, but that's my number two, so let's talk about it now. Perfect, yeah. So, Matthew, in the time that a game was released, is this one of the five nicest-looking games ever made? Because... <laughs> yeah, this this is like a... Like, the GameCube isn't the most powerful console, because this sure looks like the best game at the moment. <laughs> um absolutely stunning absolutely stunning I, I couldn't believe it i remember watching like footage of this on like a you know a dvd or something that came with a magazine and and being like this can't be right this doesn't look right at all how does this work like the character just looks so sort of one with the world but the world looks photorealistic yeah amazing really ahead of its time um like a bit of a wake-up call in that it looks so amazing and actually playing it, you know, because it is still quite true to the kind of the old controls, does feel quite old to play. And, and, and you know, part of why it works as a survival horror is there's the constant threat that you're going to, like, fuck up and mess up with the controls, um, which I don't know if that's genius design or it's broken and it's accidental, but it's there and it works. Um, yeah, I actually... It was funny you were saying earlier, like... You never found Resident Evil properly scary like that was the domain of like Silent Hill. This really, really, really did shit me up. I was terrified of this game. Like even when I played, I know I was like what, sixteen, seventeen when this came out. Um, I was I was terrified of of the Resident Evil remake. I, the, the crimson heads, like there were just rooms I didn't want to go back into because I knew that they were like bad news. I was like I'd have to like really kind of like. Um, sort of hype myself up to go in there. It's like, you know you're not going to like it, but let's do it. Um, creeping around that house. Scary as shit. Scary as shit. Um, just amazing. An amazing thing. Like, you know, maybe I played it at the right time, but, yeah, it's lodged in my head as just this spectacular, chilling, chilling game. Um, how was it for you? <laughs> I think you're right, actually. Like, I am being... I did miss this when I was um, assessing the series and how scary it was. Um, I think the magic of this is that uh, it. I think it's sort of the model remake in a lot of ways. We are, this was kind of before. This was like the first of its form, really. This kind mm. of like contemporary reimagining of an old game. But it, I mean, the game wasn't that old. It was six years old. The original Resident Evil when, the, when this was made. When you look at the um, screenshots of the two games, they look about I don't know fifteen years apart. It's yeah, like right. it's like some fucking magic. I tell you that. Um, and this subverts expectations in a way that's really exciting and terrifying. Like, um, there's like some shark-related content in this game that is really like quite pedestrian and naff in the original Resident Evil. Um, mm. Like I've seen the what the original looks like, and having played this, the sharks, the shark stuff in this is fucking awful. Like it's like <laughs> it's so it's such a step up in spectacle. And I feel like it's constantly playing on the fact that it knows that most people playing this will have such a good knowledge of the different beats of Resident Evil. So when mm. you come up to like a familiar location, it will make that monster that much scarier or that environment feel so much more dreadful to step into. There's like loads of different little tricks they pull to make this feel uh, yeah. to feel scarier than the uh, than yeah. I, I, th- I think it's a really clever use of player expectation. Um, yeah. yeah, I just the, the stuff in this game that's just like burnt into my memory is 
like basically infernal game design. <laughs> um, like what? What's her name? Who's out in the the sort of shed? That sort of boiler room out back. Uh, oh, I don't remember. There's like a woman out there. <laughs> There's like a woman in a shed, which, when you say it, isn't scary. Is it? Is that? Is that Lisa Trevor? Is that where she comes in? It might be. Uh, uh, yeah, whatever. Someone who like, but like in this like boiler room, it's like lit up red. It's evil. Like there's actually evil rooms in Resident Evil Remake hmm. that are cursed, <laughs> and like I can remember like you know having to get like my brother in or whatever because I was playing it because I didn't want to go through certain doors. Um, I never really understood the crimson heads in terms of the mechanics of them. It's like zombies you'd killed could come back to life and then basically chase you around. So, like, <laughs> your punishment for, like, making the game a bit safer was that it would then become, like, a whole lot worse in, like, yeah. an hour or something. But I never really understood how they worked. But not understanding it is, like, integral to that game because it just means you're on edge the whole time. The problem I have with a lot of the horror game stuff now is that I see through everything too easily. It's quite hard to get scared when you know the tricks. But back then, because I, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't thinking in those terms, there was this real sense of this evil thing can happen in this game by random. I doubt it was random. But because of that, you're just constantly on edge. This game's... This is a scare. I know, I, like... When, if I was t- talking about like the, the top five scariest games of all time, I, I legitimately think this has a place. Yeah, just um, yeah, I'm just looking up the sorry pictures of Lisa Trevor, and it it is so awful to look at even now. And it feels like one of that generation of GameCube games where, like you say, I don't know. I know it wasn't the most powerful console by default, but like it was a console that had Rogue Leader on it, for example, and was doing all kinds of like magic tricks and shit that I just I, I don't know. It just seemed like it was capable of a lot. And um, yeah. this weirdly, a, re- a remake of a six-year-old game was the game, one of the games um, that really showed it at its best. Uh, yeah, terrifying stuff. Um, yeah, I really loved it. And, and a game I would, I've, I've been like kicking around replaying because I did play this in about 2007 now, so it's been a while. And um, and it's it's mad that they could like re-release this as like the HD version of modern consoles, and it's still one of the best-looking games ever. You're like, oh yeah, okay, like. That would have held up if they'd done the remake then in twenty thirteen fourteen. People would have been like, "Fair enough, astonishing," but the fact that it happened in like whatever two thousand and two, yeah, two thousand two. I mean, God, what a thing! Yeah, amazing. I just um, yeah, I'm slightly jealous you um you uh, played it at the time on GameCube because it was one of the few games that as a PS two owner I did cover um on another system, but um. Didn't have any friends apart from who uh, who actually um, owned a GameCube, so uh, took a few years. But yeah, so what's your? Oh, that was your number two, wasn't it, Matthew? Mm. So my number two is Resident Evil Four. Oh, okay. Higher on your list? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's wow, do it. Okay. Were you shocked? Yeah, you shocked? Yeah. Me, so my I'm two. just intrigued what your number one is, but yeah, let's get. I mean, yeah, this again, like a, a, a very important like games magazine game in that. I'd seen it only on the page for so long and remember looking at images of it and thinking, well, that can't be, like, that can't be right. That doesn't, there's no game that's going to look as good as that. That can't possibly be a thing. Um, I remember buying this, um, I'd managed to avoid, like, I did a lot of times games could come out back there, even when Resident Evil 4 was coming out and I hadn't seen, like, videos of it in action. I'd only seen pictures of it. Um, I remember that game was running a, 
trade in any four games except the FIFA games. Uh, any four games, get another game for 99p. So I just had to give them like my four shittiest games because I was at university at the time. I got Resident Evil 4 for 99p, took it home, put it on the TV, and I, was, I just co- I couldn't believe what I was looking at. I couldn't believe that something looked as good as that. Um, and I don't know if that sounds dumb looking at it now, but uh, like there was stuff in this, uh, like the fire with the moss flying around it. I remember looking at that and being like, no way, no way, that's actual fire, that's moss. Like, that's how nature works. How have they done that? Like, I, I, just, I mean, you know, just before you get to, like, what an amazing action game it is, just the look of it was just, oh, my God, what a thing. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, that was, a, that was, like, one of the few times I've witnessed a genuine leap and felt like that's the new, that's the new level. Um, that was one of them. Um, and, like, weirdly, I hadn't even factored into my head that, I just wanted to see it. Like, I just wanted to play it as a beautiful thing. And it hadn't really factored into my head that it was going to be this, like, super intense action game that just completely consumed me for weeks. I was I was obsessed with Resident Evil 4 um, when it came out. I just couldn't couldn't stop playing it. I think I played through it several times in a row, just endlessly doing it. Um, like, still the best-paced action game of all time. Killer set piece after killer set piece. There's not a five-minute stretch of this game that repeats itself. It is just... It is the, like, definitive everything that's great about Mikami in one game. This is it. Yeah, I think um, I completely agree with that. It's a game that was famously rebooted several times during development. It, um, you know, started life as several different versions of Leon doing various sort of things in, like, 3D environments, being chased by a hook-hand man, dealing with some weird ghost monsters... Um, the only thing that seemed to stay the same was his jacket that um, was consistent <laughs> across the different versions. And then, yeah, end up coming up with this um, over-the-shoulder revolutionary third-person action game yeah. that has um, that has still to this day uh, changed how that genre controls and works and everything about it, really. Um, yeah. the, the only reason this isn't my number one, Matthew, is I, I've played it so many times that... I can't. I played it when I started playing again the uh, Switch version a couple of years ago. I realized I just played it too many times to play it again. Um, right, right. And I just, I, yeah, yeah. I swear, I I haven't played it since GameCube. I've not played any of the re-releases. I mean, it's kind of locked in my head as just an all-timer. I know. I yeah. I know. This is an easy like in my top five games of all time. Um, even though I I don't really revisit it and I don't really replay it, it's just a, an incredibly happy memory. Um, Everything about this game is just ama- is just amazing. Like, yeah. there's no, I don't, I really, I'd struggle to name like any bit of it that kind of sucks. Yeah, I think um, I would. If I'm being completely honest, this probably should be number number one, just based on like uh, my sort of memories of playing it. I actually, um, I played the PS2 version that released okay. about nine months after I think the um, yeah. GameCube version uh, that was famously contentious at the time. And um, the compromise we had to pay is that we had worse fire than the GameCube version. Um, oh, you should have seen this fire. You should have seen them moths. <laughs> oh, my God. The best moths ever. Uh, uh, better than real moths. <laughs> I was uh, curious. I was curious, actually. Like uh, We haven't really talked much about your life as a GameCube owner, because I definitely think that would be a good subject for a future episode. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was curious if what this game represented in the trajectory of the GameCube's lifespan, was this like the kind of gold at the end of the rainbow in sort of some quite fallow years, or did you not really see it that way at the time? 
Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really see it that way at the time because this came out my second year of university. My first year of university was pretty much just defined by playing Mario Kart Double Dash. Um, like we loved that Mario Kart. Like so, it didn't. Like it stopped being a console I bought games for. Like I don't. I I, I didn't buy a lot of games. You know, in the later years of GameCube. Um, I guess those were the mid years. Uh, I, I'm, a, you know, it's quite a short generation in, in respect. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I just didn't have the money for it, and we were happy playing. We played a lot of Double Dash. We played an awful lot of the WarioWare um, uh, party game, uh, which the name of it escapes me. Ah, what the fuck's it called? Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll apologies like, to WarioWare fans. Um, so like mega mini games. Or oh, that's that. the one. Yeah, mega terrible subtitle. Uh, it had a it had a it had a game in it where by winning mini games you basically earned these sort of turtles that sort of wobble. You were standing on these turtles called wobbly bobbly, um, and you would just knock them over. And I you know I, I remember playing that mode for about eight hours straight until like four in the morning with a load of friends once. Oh, it was good times, good times. Um, but yeah, this was just you know. I knew this one was coming, and I knew that, like, whatever happened, I had to own it, just to see how it worked, just to see if it actually, you know, really, really, you know, looked as amazing as it did. Like, even in static images, it looked like cutscenes. Everything looked like a cutscene. Like, Leon's stupid hair, you're like, oh, my God, how does someone have hair that good? There's hair that good and moths that good. Um, Yeah. The yeah. only bit that was bad in this game that I remember, I, the only time I ever cursed this was the first time I ever played it through. I ran out of uh, bullets in that fight with the the two um, giant. Is it? Are they El Gigantes? Yeah, yeah. In that kind of there's like, there's like a fight arena. in it, like a big room with like fiery pits, and I had to like do them by like slashing at them with a knife. Oof. And that was the only time where I was like, "Fuck this game." Um, but apart from that, is it's pure. It's a pure 10 out of 10. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. I, I hope someone makes a game as good as that again. Um, you know, I think, like, Mikami has tapped into, like, what made that game good in other things, but never as a complete package. Nah. Like, there's bits of it in in Evil Within. Not, um, even, not but, even close in terms of pacing. No, no, but I think there's bits of, like, things swarming you, the kind of the tension, the excitement of, like, oh, my God, I really have to make these five bullet count... Um, like where he's tapped into the same energy like there's you know there's the tiniest hint of it in like the upgrades or whatever in that dumb one he did with Suda 51 like there's bits of it but it's never ever the the full but Hmm. yeah oh yeah why did he have to go away and not make any more what a (laughs) nightmare game to work in the shadow of as well I do not envy the Resident Evil team I you know if anything you know even though I'm a little bit down on it, Resident Evil 7, I will say to them, like, fair play for, like, moving it on and changing the conversation a bit. Yeah, absolutely. That's a hard thing to do with a series that big. I mean, there are series yeah. that, that that go away quite easily because they don't, they're not able to do that or they disappoint and they kind of vanish into thin air. And, yeah, like, Resident Evil has never gone away. What I think yeah. is, um, like, crazy about this in retrospect is 1996, Resident Evil is created. 2004 this comes out so like by comparison uh, matthew like um as we're recording this you know eight years ago was 2013 you know that's when like <laughs> the ps4 that's when the ps4 launched and it feels like yeah. no time at all but like think of all the shit that capcom did in that like short period 
it's you know even in the trajectory of just resident evil you have the resident evil remake nestled in within that as well Mm. and like what an absolutely like absurd creative kind of like evolution in that time just Mm. like yeah just um magic really but they um, deliver they do i think they've yeah that's that's a the more we've talked about it on this episode the more it's really felt to me like that is, I think they are. That is a hugely underrated team. I think they've made loads of fucking great games in that time, um, and they're not pretentious at all. You know, they haven't like they don't talk it up. They just got on with it. They've made lo- there's loads of Resident Evil games I love. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. so glad it's still around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I I agree. Like, um, just because I haven't really said anything about the specifics of four, I, I do think that this game when i when i played it again recently like some of the boss fights aged a little bit and obviously like the the leaning towards cutie stuff was very much like of its time um mm. i think this game got away with it by making those cutscenes so exciting to watch um in the moment like i had no problems with the cuties whatsoever because they were just like it was thrilling to watch um you know leon and krauser have a knife fight and to see the way that qt's would later be integrated into that like full boss fight you have with krauser in that kind Mm. of like mad collapsed castle area that's like an absolute highlight of that game but yeah like you say it's a similar thing we were discussing earlier with them with village it's just that kind of volley of ideas it's like okay well now you're fighting like a, a massive um monster in a lake and now you're kind of like trapped inside a house and you've got endless waves of zombies to kind of fend off and now the player character that you're protecting, she's all the way over there and she's chained up and there are these like dudes in like hoods walking towards her with <laughs> knives and you have to snipe them all. Um, just like sheer invention. I think this was the first time I ever really stopped and thought about like what it means to pace a game well. Mm. And because here I was watching it done perfectly. It was just a game that was finding new ways to thrill me and new inventive ways to to excite me i should have put this at number one and i bitterly regret that i, didn't. I am i am so interested what is better than this well it's not <laughs> it's not that exciting it's resident evil 2 remake i put that at oh. number one that is purely because if i was to recommend a resident evil game to someone now picking up the series this feels like the easiest starting point to me you've mm. got a very contemporary feeling game um there's nothing about it that feels a bit old like um the resident evil 4 remake sorry not remake but re-release they did on the newer formats um definitely has some like good sort of customizable controls but the default controls to resi 4 are a little bit old feeling whereas Mm. i think that picking up resi 2 remake it feels like a contemporary game obviously it's a game from 2019 it's not that old Mm. um and i really like this as a kind of good middle ground between resi's two sort of like i don't know i guess it's two lineages of you know action and survival horror this is kind of splits the difference and does a really good job of balancing both um Mm. i get the impression you're slightly cooler on this than me though matthew uh yeah i I love the police section segment um i love the shooting the limbs of zombies i love that it's kind of more about like long-term zombie management that you can kind of leave them around, but you've just sort of like defanged them a bit by like shooting off a leg or whatever. <laughs> so you're just like, I just have to remember there'll always be a zombie crawling there. Um, I think that section is incredibly strong. Um, I just think the second half of it is a lot weaker. I also think in the remake, the re- the bits where you're in the sort of streets of Raccoon City are like incredibly ugly, <laughs> um, which is odd because that's that's something like you said, like in the original. 
that had like blow you away energy of like oh my god the scale of this this is amazing like i'm in raccoon city i I just thought they were quite undercooked in the remake um which is a really petty complaint but (laughs) there's honestly there's a bit in this game where i think it's when claire goes to the orphanage um and she goes through like the weirdest dimension basketball court I've ever seen. <laughs> like, uh, it's like square. Like, it's really, I, I just can't get my head around it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, but that isn't any reason to put down your number one choice. Um, I, I really love this game. I, I had a lot of fun. If anything, I think the, one of the problems I had with this game, and, and this isn't its fault at all, was um, like, I went through like, I think I previewed this like several times before I played it. Hmm. And I felt like that robbed it of something, you know. It, it, it's a game that has, like, mega impact the first time you play it, but I played, like, two quite substantial chunks of it, um, which isn't the game's fault. It's a quirk of the job. But in that particular case, maybe it didn't have the kind of absolute wallop of an impact it probably should have. Mm. Um, it does look absolutely amazing, though. I mean, it's a really... It's a, go- you know, it's a gorgeous update, Um Shooting the lombie, uh, a lombies, a zombie's limb off, and seeing its arm like hang by a few tendons is like brilliantly gruesome. Um, yeah, I should have probably put this on my list instead of like fucking Dark Side Chronicles. <laughs> That's fine. Um, they, the listeners have had two five uh, top five lists um, filled with regret, so that um, <laughs> yeah, that's the content uh, people choose. Yeah, for. I, I did really like this. Uh, I didn't mind three, the three remake either. I thought that was like fine. Um, it's just not as a, I don't know, not as kind of fewer iconic moments to kind of hook onto. I think, but yeah, whatevs. it's a it's one I haven't played still either. But it's only four and a half hours long, so I should just um, now I've done yeah. Resident um, Village. I might as well just get to it and play. I mean, I, I think it just this just reinforces that like they're making so much Resi and it's all pretty good. Oh, I mean, it's a good time to be a Resi fan, and it's a good time to be discovering it. You know they've brought so much of the library with them in quite respectable forms as well. Um, you know you could pick it all up. You know probably quite cheap these days. Never whale of a time. Yeah, well said, Matthew. So yeah, those are the top five lists. I feel actually do feel like um, my number one is something I, I firmly believe. I put it on my games for generation, and I think as someone who carries so much kind of affection for the original Resident Evil Two from having a similar experience like you playing it with friends and um sharing that experience and being um freaked out by it i did just love how kind of reverent this was but also inventive at the same time um it was nice to play a resident evil 2 remake that was worthy of that resident evil 1 remake and i feel like yeah. it was um yeah that's that's true Maybe, i think the problem with this one is like i wasn't in the ideal environment to review it i needed to go back to that librarian's office i needed to get tanked up on lucasaid flavored panda pops uh <laughs> Which would have basically been my diet back then, um, you know. Hire, hire a, a, a woman to kind of look unimpressed at me, and um, yeah, we would have been gold. And um, see if that boy still lives in the library. Um... <laughs> I think he went home. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Can um, I tell you one story about the library? Please do. Please do. Um, <laughs> towards the end of term, there was this terrible smell in the library and the librarian it was after the 11th year the 11th year students had left she was absolutely sure that someone had hidden a fish in the library or hidden something in the library is like a going away prank because that's what the year 11s did they'd sort of you know get up to cheeky hijinks um 
And she spent ages looking for like, what, you know, what have these students done? What have they hidden in a library? And it turned out it wasn't the year 11 students. It was the staff toilets next to a library. Just one of the teachers done like a mega lock and left it in there. <laughs> wow. T- totally stung the joints out. <laughs> so uh, that's my library story. Yeah, I mean, I was curious about how how dark that was going to get. I think in my head, I thought was it going to turn out that there was a dead student and that their <laughs> body was in a particularly unpopular part of the library. Like, no, no, the punchline was a teacher had done a shit. <laughs> oh, good. Well, that's kind of like um, uh, sort of high end humour that people have come you to can, expect listen, from this. Podcast. You can choose to cut that out. I'll leave that with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'll be leaving that in. That's. Um, good content a good uh, way to cap off this podcast so um, <laughs> that yeah. was the true resident evil <laughs> yeah um yes good very good um twilight zone-esque kind of a uh, message to leave <laughs> us on so matthew it was fun going through those games with you there's um there's no doubt more to be said about resident evil in future i'm sure it will come up again in our future best games of x year episodes mm. and, and who knows if um there are more resident evil games in future we'll find new ways to talk about this stuff i'd love to talk about resident evil in more depth actually because mm. um yeah i've always got things to say about that so thank you very much for listening at home if you'd like to leave us a review on the platform of your choice uh, apple Podcasts is a great place to do that if you're listening on there that helps us find new people uh, we've had a really good run of finding um uh, finding new audience members lately i think um, there's some good word of mouth going on the podcast so if you're out there telling people about the podcast i really do appreciate it we see it on twitter all the time so um thank you so much for your support we really appreciate it and uh, at the same time if you'd like to tweet us or follow us on twitter we're backpage pod on twitter you can also email us at backpagegames at gmail.com matthew where can people find you on twitter i am at mr basil underscore pesto I'm Samuel W. Roberts on Twitter. We'll be back next week with an episode all about Mass Effect, which we actually recorded before this one, um, which is kind of confusing timeline-wise, but not to you listening at home, so uh, it should be okay. But um, yeah, and uh, just to kind of like reiterate, this po- this podcast did end with Matthew telling a story about a man doing a poo. So um, <laughs> that's, uh, you know... What, what other Evil. <laughs> Which other games podcast gives you um, that kind of content on a regular basis? Um, Thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye. You will give me an egg.